going on down there? Good and ready to, to talk about the latest chapter in the seven-part fully canonical live-action Transformers movie series that is all completely interrelated? Sure. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I'm Lorenzo de Bonaventura, and am I ever excited to tell you about the Transformers? Buy my Blu-rays. That's mean. Someone got got annoyed that I kept picking on Lorenzo, and so I ignored them. And don't and continue. Don't you know? Don't don't dunk on your elders. They have a hard enough time anyway. <laughs> the funniest thing would be if Lorenzo's actually in his thirties and he just looks like that, because like the producer life <laughs> just runs you raw. Uh, hey, welcome. To this podcast, WTFTFW, a special one where we're talking about Transformers: Rise of the Beasts, a live-action feature film, uh, which was in theaters this month, June 2023, and will be available at home digital next month, July 2023. Is that still happening? Did I, did I misremember the dates? I don't know. It seemed like it should still be in theaters when they were already starting to talk about at home digital. So I don't know what at-home digital even means anymore. Is it there? they finally gave up on the fact that, like, some dude recorded it pretty well with a camcorder, and they're like, eh, just, you could see it on torrent, really. I mean... Uh... Yeah, that, that is the voice of Aaron, by the way. Uh, it's not just Rise of the Beast. Like, Spider-Verse is also going digital next month, so I think it's just the new normal. I, I don't mind it. But you're, you're also correct. I'll watch Spider-Verse uh... eight more times, too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was going to say, TJ, uh, you're here as well. Hello. Uh, yeah, supposedly I'm here. Were, were you able to do some fun, like, oh, I don't remember what happened in the film. Uh, oh, look, my YouTube algorithm is just feeding me the entire back half of the movie in eight-minute clips. <laughs> Guess I'll just review it that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was my experience of getting home from the theater from the early showing, and then just going onto YouTube mm-hmm. and going, like, I need some, like, I just need to pull some pictures from trailers for the videos I'm going to make here and just, oh, hi, whole movie broken up into, you know, a hundred four <laughs> minute parts. Hi. To, to, to be fair, to be fair, uh, across the Sp- second one is across, right? Across the Spider-Verse had that same thing happen. Mm-hmm. Most of the film is also on YouTube and both in very good hand cam in the, in the crowd quality. And I guess there are um, more than so one version in the theaters as well. Oh, really? Yeah. I saw something today that there were people that were saying like, there appear to be two different, like very minor difference cuts, but like different lines from characters at times or like one part trimmed, another part expanded. Wait. Does that mean the let them come cut really ex- is out? Oh, I got to start asking the grapevine. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I saw it on uh, Twitter. Somebody had had fired off a retweet about it where they were trying to say it's because Man. they're pushing the animator so hard it comes to the last second and some like different versions of the final edit got out there or something. I was like, eh. it's, it's all it digital now both. and it could just be like. It fires off the way it goes, but okay. It, it's 
it very well could could easily be both. Those are those are two problems: disorganization uh, and uh, animator overcrunch mm-hmm. can slam together in in f- fantastical ways. Uh, that's a topic, by the way. That's, uh, and also, I think that's actually relevant to Rise of the Beasts once we get into some of mm-hmm. the deets later on, um, just about some of the the finer qualities. But um, to kick us off, we haven't gone spoilerful yet because I wanted to have two little spoilerless quickies uh, where we each kind of I'm going to ask you both a question and myself a question and we, we each do an answer um, and then we'll get into spoilers. So just the first spoilerless quickie, uh, Aaron, I'll ask you first, uh, where would you place Rise of the Beasts in the pantheon of live action Transformers films? Uh, how do you mean where do I place? Is it a timeline thing or is this like, an, how, how would I grade no, it? No, no, no. Personal enjoyment. Personal enjoyment. I've got one real viewing in, and I've watched a few clips again to try and refresh my memory. I would put it on par with Bumblebee. I'm not sure if it's floating okay. above or below, but it's right there. And Bumblebee, to me, is the best of the Transformers live-action movies. So it's... Okay. I, I like it. And uh, TJ, how about you? Where would you put uh, Rise of the Beasts in your personal movie pantheon of Transformers live-action films specifically? Uh, honestly, it's specifically the same answer, really. Like, I put it number two. It is very close behind Bumblebee and uh, above the 07 movie. All right. Um, cool. I was actually... I have seen a lot of folks, um, it, it seems very divisive as to whether folks have placed it above or below Bumblebee, so I, I did not actually look into anything either of you said anywhere about the film, because I <laughs> wanted to get surprised, but I'm actually in the same spot. It is a firm number two below Bumblebee to me. I feel Bumblebee is, um, I'll say slightly unfortunately, Bumblebee is to me very strictly better as a film experience, but that's for my own tastes. I think this is an extremely strict number two. I, I do think this is better than the original five um, for my enjoyment and for various other things. For context, I should say I also don't rate a lot of the original five very high anymore. And where I'm an outlier, I don't really rate the 07 movie very high anymore. It really lost its shine for me. So just for context for listeners, if you don't know, um, that's where I'm coming from. But it's interesting because in tj's case the 07 movie is literally the number three so rise of the beast did something to be a very solid two uh of seven for the three of us uh my other spoilerless uh quickie is uh without getting into plot details uh just one thing you liked and one thing you didn't like tj i'll uh, start with you since i started with aaron last time Mm, one thing i liked was the amount of screen time for the autobots I felt like they mm-hmm. actually got chances to be characters. I felt like Prime finally got a chance to tell a story that was all his. Um, it was refreshing. I felt like they were actually being treated like, you know, parts of the story and not just big explosion set pieces, which was actually really refreshing. All right. And uh, how about a thing you didn't like? <clears throat> Without getting into spoiler, that's... That might that's tricky, be a I know, little, but <laughs> that's, yeah, that might be a little bit trickier. Um, that's why I'm thinking like like broader things, maybe, or just like a little like thematic thing or whatever. Um, I without spoiling too much, I do feel like it. It feels a little bit too much like what we've experienced before. That's yeah. It, that's a good way to put it. 
I, th- I think I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, in, in fact, yeah, I'm probably going to be p- mirroring that to some degree. Um, Aaron, how about you? Uh, without getting into the, the deets, what's a thing you liked, a thing you didn't yeah, like? Yeah, I definitely, um, you know, he, TJ copied me, I'll copy him. Uh, for for non spoilerless I like that um, yet again, you know, Rise of the Beasts really carries on well from Bumblebee in that all of the, well, almost all of the robot transformer characters in this movie are characters and have, you know, clear motivations and most of them have some sort of, where play way that their story goes from point A to point B. Some of the background characters, maybe not so much, but like they are, they are characters. And again, like, you know, similar to Bumblebee, the shots were definitely framed better. So it wasn't like the human characters just looking at a knee and then it's a robot character. And then it's a human (laughs) character. Again, things were pulled back, shot full frame. That way you could get the idea that there's a conversation going on, that this isn't like a, a phone call where one of them happens to be standing in front of robot parts, you know? Yeah. And then thing that I didn't like, I feel like, there were a couple of points where um, the CG, and again, this is a thing that I think we've seen uh, people talk about after the fact, um, and some of it may come from the fact that Alfie and I watch two or three different um, YouTube channels that are like, um, that are or visual effects houses where they talk about visual effects stuff and good, good ones mm-hmm. and bad ones. And there were a few times where, and we can talk about it in the full hot potato section, where there were, you know, one of them was a transformation scene. And it was it was a thing that I noticed that I'd have to go back and watch again because I don't know if it was just my eyes playing weird tricks on me or if it was what I actually saw. But you could definitely see, like, the shade and tone and balance of like car goes to make the move that then starts to turn into a robot. And it was like, all of a sudden there was no like, um, Oh, what's the, the filmic name for just like atmospheric fuzz. Oh yeah. I know what you mean. Um, where, yeah, like where everything just got kind of crisp the moment that he started to transform. Like you could tell, like, yeah, this is yeah. the frame where it went from the actual thing that was shot to them starting the transformation, and it just got like a little bit too smooth and a little bit too smooth of action from where it was before. There were a few times where like my eye caught that momentary thing, and it was it was gone real quick. You know, it's a thing that if it wasn't for the fact that I've watched plenty of videos of people kind of dissecting that and saying like, okay, well, this is how you could fix that. Um, you know, it was like, it was, it was a thing that was kind of eye catchy to me that I know that there aren't giant robots. So it's not like something's breaking my realism, but it kind of like, it it was like a minor poke in the side of the eye going, wait a second. That I, it's like, like I always call them clicks. Yeah. It's like a click. I, I, and and that's something that I think for the most part, 
Transformers has done a pretty good job of staying away from. Granted, it's like, oh, that robot is Knife City. Like, sure, those just came out of something, but it was <laughs> never like the, you know, the loss of light or the loss of, you know, just atmosphere between things or whatever. That, you yeah. know. That, that's got to be something that's actually hard to check on with the camera and crowd clips, though, because those probably add more of that atmosphere yeah, back yeah. by virtue of being a camera pointed at a yeah. screen. And, and that's definitely uh, something that, uh, you know, seeing after the fact that they had to bring in Weta near the end of everything because the cheap the house that they got that was cheaper than ILM turns out they couldn't keep the pace or something. Um, like, And that's probably what it was. It was probably a, hey, this is less than a second you know there are, are 14 frames in here like good enough let's move on don't spend another day trying to mm-hmm. to tune the color balance of this just right because you've got nine more shots that are due in three weeks yeah um well just, just to just to throw my own answers in here before we go into spoilers i will say that that basically like you guys hit a lot of mine, like basically my positive. Again, we did not pre-confer on this, but my immediate positive to bring up spoilerlessly is that I felt like I was looking at fun cartoon robots who are alive and characters, and I felt that energy coming off the screen. They were specifically, and this is something my mom brought up uh, of her own volition because she saw it with me while she was visiting, is that the they actually seem to evoke emotion, mm-hmm. uh, which in the original five films often was not the case. Um, and so there was a lot of like just oh the robots were fun to watch they 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 gave off a great vibe i think you also have to be into ro- robots doing that which uh i'm always curious about with the broader general audience but then my my negative i'll bring up i think i'm slightly rewording tj's here the way i was going to put it was uh there was an unwelcome garnish throughout the film that i kept detecting like a flavor that kept uh like pattering mm-hmm. on my tongue um you know, like like someone made you a really nice dish, and then they busted out like the 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 just the most base ass like white salt, and you can tell every now and then a spot where they just dropped a handful of white salt because they don't even know how to sprinkle it. So you'd be like, mm, "This is so good." So, uh, oh, but no, oh, this is really good now. Uh, okay, let's, let me just wipe the top of this off a little bit. Oh, okay, that's a little bit. It's like if someone made you a really nice a really nice burger or pasta or something, and then they put a bunch of Heinz ketchup in without telling you, you know? I've had cookies like that, where there's really nice cookies, and then you hit that part where the salt wasn't mixed in very well. Mm. And you get yeah, the other nugget. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and w- I will definitely get into that more, uh, in fact, very soon, because we are now going to go straight into Rise of the Beast Spoilers. <laughs> Your time has come, my dear listener. I offer you one more chance at mercy. If your enjoyment of Transformers Rise of the Beasts will be decimated by spoilers, well, this is the end for you. Turn back. From this moment on, anything goes. There is no more hope. There are no more chances. 
Hear me, my beasts. Rise. Rise of the beasts. Um, let's start hot potatoing it. Uh, I'm going to throw one out there right away. I want to get into one of my absolute positives, um, which is uh, getting a little bit deeper into the way that the robots were portrayed. Uh, they, All of the Maximals, Autobots, uh, even the Terrorcons, uh, all felt alive and present. I, I've gone on about how in, when they're inside Stratosphere, you can just see Optimus and Bumblebee out of focus sitting in the background existing, mm-hmm. uh, whereas before... They, they would have been in truck mode or something, so they could just, like, have props sitting there, yeah. which is always weird. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, there, there, there was... You're like, are they dead? There was are definitely they- <laughs> a moment, especially because, like, in in that time, um, w- w- one of the big spoilers of Bumblebee's mostly dead? We haven't gotten him to Miracle, Miracle Max yet, but, you know, he's laying there, and you can just see, like, the energy is out of Optimus Prime. You know, that's yeah. his Optimus Prime's whole theme through this movie is I am a horrible leader because all the Autobots are dying. And Bumblebee just died because of, you know, the, the plan that we put him in. And this is all on me. Why am I such a piece of garbage? And you can just like see that, you know, if it was a human, he'd be, you know, st- further slumped over, you know, you'd, you'd read it just on a basic human empathetic level. And they hit that well mm-hmm. with Prime just sitting in the back, not having any part of the conversation. He's not sitting there going, oh, you know, <laughs> you know the first movie. Oh, oh Jazzy was, was a good friend. friend. Oh, well. <laughs> um, you know, it was very much like he's, <laughs> this dude is beat up and he's, you know, in the background because he's big enough to be a wall. As this other part of the, you know, the humans talking about the ride and, hey, you know, first time flying, oh, first time out of Brooklyn or whatever her line was. And, you know, they're having their thing making a a connection and he's trying to help her out with everything. While at the same time, Prime is in the back just barely surviving through the next moment. Yeah. And and I want to say, does that mean the bar is low? Yes. But I don't get, we got over it, though. <laughs> so, you know, the bar has, in fact, been that low. And thank goodness two movies in a row cleared the bar. Mm-hmm. So maybe the bar can lift now. <laughs> uh, but if, like, if you want to talk, like, treatment of the characters and just how, the, how like, the Autobots especially were handled in this movie, the thing that a lot, I find a lot of people don't even realize is this movie did for the first time in seven films. Someone finally figured this out. And it helps so much to convey the Autobots as characters. They talk to each other in vehicle mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah! <laughs> it's such yeah, a oh my basic God. They, did, they didn't have to transform it's... to say three lines and then transform back down? Uh, I, I they, was... they didn't just sit there like, you know, inanimate objects. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I was it's just a... re-watching last night um the the last night scenes hot rod was in because i was wanting to reminisce on my favorite part of the last night uh and i remembered when i was watching the scenes i was like oh right the revelation when the first time in a decade a transformer talked in car mode through the radio yeah obviously in bumblebee no one got the chance to because it's bumblebee so yeah like they they were just conversing Uh (laughs) even 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 in the last night 
they were still it's still just Hot Rod talking to the humans in him. Like yeah, yeah. Actually giving the because ch- we know from the previous movies like the Autobots spend a lot of time in vehicle mode to save on CGI budget, so they're just there. But the fact that they're dead silent when they're vehicles just kind of removes you from the idea that they're characters. So that alone yeah. helps me so much connect to them. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, even even the Terracons, who are, by, by far, they are very shallow characters. However, they are shallow, like, cartoon villains. And mm-hmm. this, is, this is getting into more of my subjective taste, but, like... If you're going to get shallow in a Transformers film, at least make them cartoon shallow and not, like, knife monster growling shallow. Because I could watch a lot of other movies to see growling knife monsters. But if we get the Terracons, who are, you know, at least they're quipping, right? Uh, they, they didn't quite, you know, get to quite the same vibe as Shatter. But still, they were quipping. They were, they were you know, they were talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which really helped. Again, the bar's low. But <laughs> we're uh, we've we've gone two films clearing the bars, and so now we can finally say the bar's actually higher. Now we would we would like the uh, at least one Autobot every film to have an arc. Now that's that's the new demand. Um, so yeah, that's 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 my little hot potato. I just wanted to, to go off our, our talking about the the robots in general. Let's get uh, into more of our specifics. TJ, let's start off with you. Let's, what's a topic you want to bring up? I mean, to, if we're going to carry through from the Autobots in general, we might as well focus in on our new boy, Mirage. Yeah, I didn't want to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I was really worried we would have just, like, an, an over, like, the character, I was worried the character would be, like, over the top. I was worried that it would be an obnoxious portrayal, but, like, he felt like a character. Like, I got an actual personality out of Mirage. I got some character growth and maturity out of Mirage. And just... I... Like, even, like... Like, even in the Bumblebee movie. Like, we kind of... We get that in the Bumblebee movie. We're actually, like, Bumblebee... Because we get to focus on Bumblebee. But not to this mm. extent, I don't think. Like, I genuinely, like, put Mirage very high on my list of live-action movie characters, if not the top, just because I feel like we got such a good look at him, and the portrayal was done better than most every other Transformer in live-action. Yeah, I, I was Hold, hold on, hold on. I just, got a note. I, I, I just got a note from Alfie. Um, why the hell wasn't it Jazz? Sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> so this may be a recurring note that oh, yeah, ca- I mean, th- that comes around that uh, I'm contractually obligated to say something. But go, sorry, go ahead. It's, what, what what I'll say because obviously that's a big thing going going around. My my main thing on that is that's not a hill I'm going to die on, but it's also not a hill I'm even going to because I genuinely don't care. <laughs> but I understand <laughs> that like it's, it's, it. it, 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 it like, 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 there's nothing about him that is Mirage or Jazz. Like, he's way more of of a hound or a uh, or a hot rod. I think in in general. Um, yeah. So he's you know. a, he's a new he's a new <laughs> character that is named Mirage as yeah. well. Yeah, but I'm not. If anyone's bummed out by it, I'm like, no, that's legit. I mean, like, I've gotten bummed it, out by some character names, but it, it really does feel like like Lorenzo's in the back going but but it's it's not it's not a reboot guys like jazz is dead you have to keep yeah, him dead that's, you can't use jazz that's yeah. that's the thing that I'm that I was <laughs> trying to 
pull her down off the wall on of like you know hey there are producers out there that have a part of it it's the guy that keeps saying that this isn't a reboot even though the first movie was pretty much unable to exist in the same universe as the other five and this one definitely isn't able to exist in that same universe and except for jazz is a character that already exists and is dead so you can't really have it but it's just a different yeah i know i know these things however like we are we are turbo nerds and there are going to be people that aren't turbo nerds that are somehow going to go to a movie that was what 16 years ago 15 years ago and say but didn't that guy die and just let it be a new character we can we can get paint when yeah, we it, get when it, we get one in you can change the stripes on the hood a little bit everything will be cool so someone on the cg team heard you they made him be a lambo and an indie racer briefly mm-hmm. in, in a very very cute little sequence uh i, I also will say like like or I was, I was gonna say, like, the, there are absolutely, like, you know, we are super nerdy about this stuff, but also, also, there are a, I call them the Lorenzo gang, because Lorenzo's the mouthpiece, but there are a gang of producers who are still deep, deep in on these things that I'm pretty sure have a certain, I'll call it belligerent incompetence that, that flavors this stuff to be even more like you know it's like it is annoying but also when it's them doing it and you know it's because jazz in a film that takes place 13 years later dies in a stupid way uh that that's probably the reason too it's like that's extra mad that's like someone gave you a bad thing and then they also put a bunch of heinz ketchup on it Uh, like it could, it was already kind of crummy, but now it's like, oh, and it's even worse. This is ice cream. Why did you squirt Heinz ketchup on this? Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I wanted to throw in there. One thing I came away from is I felt like Pete Davidson, a, I was like, well, he did a better job than I expected. But also I think that he was somewhat replaceable in that role. Uh, I think the jazz or now he got me saying jazz. I, I thought Mirage was pretty darn solid. I also kind of felt like he could have been played by another actor and I wouldn't have missed anything. Like I, I granted don't know the Pete Davidson vibe all that well, but like I, I wasn't catching like a ton of like, Oh, this, this had to belong to him, this role, uh, which who knows in future films that might, that might be something that could be played around with a bit. Um, but TJ, you were, you were saying something uh, going off of the, uh, the Lambo and Indy car scene. Was yeah. About the- a garbage truck. <laughs> yeah, the garbage truck was a good laugh. Like a Porsche yeah, like painted that. garbage truck. Mm-hmm. It, it <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's, I'm frustrated because it, <clears throat> I, I'm kind of like a stickler for like the movie verse kind of like, well, no, there's no restrictions to what they can turn into. Just so they can scan it, they can turn into it. Like, there should be some kind of physical limitation, I would think, at some point. Well, uh... There, there, there was something apparently in the test screenings that was removed, where it was made more obvious that about a half to two thirds of the garbage truck were a hollow projection. Uh, and when I read that, in the, I read through some of those, you know, once once the thing came out, people were talking about what they saw at test screenings. I was like, yeah, I could see why part of the Lorenzo gang or someone in the chain would want to remove that because it might be too confusing. But I think it's equal. It's either it's confusing because why is that part flickering, or it's confusing because like, well, could he just turn into the size of an airplane then? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And right, it, and it right. really depends on the, how they were doing that because you could have it just like the cab and the back wheels look fine, and there's like a momentary, 
you know, as it, as he gives the like wave, all right, thanks, let me in the gate, and then you see just like a you know the the matrix glitch for just a moment, and, uh, and then they drive yeah. by. You know, that'd be easy enough of a drop in, but then I could see that some producer note being like, well, now we have to explain why that is, and then somebody else saying no you don't did we we did the mirage thing before you remember with the like 12 cars on the bridge how expensive that yeah, fucking he, yeah, stunt yeah. was <laughs> like it, we get it's it not, it's not even a it's not even a hard effect noah walks away from garbage truck and it turns back into porch yeah 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 now, there, i think there are a lot of things about the, the, one of my things i'm going to get into eventually if i remember is that there's a lot about the film that is very i call it it's like a quilt there's a it's a, Rather than the last night being made of staples, this one is more like made of fine stitching. But still, there is a sort of quilt factor that permeates the film to me. Uh, while we're on Mirage, though, can we also point out that he just straight he? I kept forgetting this when I went out of the theater because I was so kind of like my brain was was digesting the final set pieces, and it's. But I was like, oh yeah, he also just straight up like killed like four cops, like the. <laughs> They shot that action sequence where it's like it's very hard to believe any of those cops survived those car crashes. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> I mean, how, how like many bad sh- landings did Noah have, and he got right back up? True, but people <laughs> are also, like one of those. One of those cop cars went full speed into the divide at a fork. Those uh, that like, had the water barrel is- crash barrels though, right? Yeah, he, yeah, he's yeah, fine. Those are he's those fine. are designed to dissipate a lot of energy. Now, we I can t- take off my toy nerd hat and put on my engineering <laughs> nerd hat and from the civil world now, those are designed to stop like overspeed semi trucks. It's not going to be comfortable. Did, didn't the semi truck hit one of the Didn't the semi truck hit one of the car, cop cars too or am I thinking of a different movie? I haven't gone back to check that sequence again. I'd I swear there were some where I was like, this is past the Batman level of trying to make me believe that those people aren't dead. It's kind of, they're, you know, they're, Batman, they're not, like, wa- they're not walking head first. They're not it. walking out of those cars. Like they're getting cut out of the cars and coming out of the back of board, but they're, <laughs> but they're fine. Uh, anyway, I thought it was funny. I was just like, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. They're not doing the GI Joe thing of showing the parachute. They're just like, nah, you know, if you wanted, you could probably feasibly just consider that he just slaughtered a bunch of human cops for no reason. Uh, <laughs> anyway, and, um, any other Mirage talk? Uh, I guess uh, part of this, I guess we could throw in the thing, but so TJ, you were going to say, uh, part of uh, another part of for Mirage I liked was just watching him interact with Noah's little brother. Yeah. Yeah. He became, yeah, you want to talk about he like became knuckles to their little trio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you talk, talk about like seeing transformers act as like actual characters. Like that felt like a very good character moment. You know, where he's oh, yeah. talking was, to this tiny yeah. little human and like, not talking down to him, not talking superior to him, just like, you know, just, yeah, I'll watch out for your brother and taking it very seriously. Like, okay, I buy Mirage as a character now. Like, that's the moment where I'm cute. like. It was cute. Yeah. It was like cute and it was like a cartoon. It's just like the, the thing I, I loved the most about Bumblebee as a film were the moments that felt like a whimsical cartoon. Like in that, in that one, when Charlie is telling Bumblebee how she got really messed up by her dad dying. Uh, and it's like this actual kind of heartfelt little moment between them. And in that case, in Mirage and, and the little guy, you know, having their chat, I was like, oh, this is like actually adorable. 
also, the the walkie-talkie in the palm was was funny. I thought that, I like the idea that Mirage boosted a walkie-talkie to work in Peru. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Mir- Mirage does have a sort of nebulous power set that was. was it, it didn't quite hit that, last night Bumblebee levels of like, are you immortal? But like, <laughs> that was that's kind of the thing. On. That's kind of the thing that it was about. It's like, yes, it annoys me when live action movie transformers can just turn into whatever they want but i also kind of love how mirage just flies in the face of all logic when it comes to that it's like yes i can transform and reverse my direction yes i can transform into a garbage truck i can turn into an exosuit too watch so i think that the b movie the b movie (laughs) the bumblebee movie um continuity whatever it seems like transformers are a bit more flexible in all of that because bumblebee bumblebee like pulled his arm out of the the beetle while doing stuff versus the bay films where it seemed a whole lot more like they they were protoforms then they scanned a thing and then they were that thing and then they could maybe scan things again later and stay in that like i assume that they have to stay in their like mass class to some level but RC had a holographic writer on her whenever she was driving around, mm-hmm. so I'm assuming that holography is part of these two Transformers movies as well. And well, when you can do I'm, that, well, like, it, what's it matter how much mass you actually have? You can just make it look like you're bigger or right or, or right. whatever. Yeah, well, yeah, Mirage can get through the mass thing with, okay, well, for the garbage truck, yes, he can, he can illusion that in. Uh, he can hologram it in. Uh, and as the exosuit, like, half his body was blown off at the time, okay? I, I, I'll give mm-hmm. you the exosuit, too, because there's barely any of you left. It, there's, it's not an unprecedented thing. We had Laserbeak, who literally just turned yeah. into anything from a copying machine to a pink bumblebee. Mm-hmm. I think the, the 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 sort of both the connective tissue that makes it make sense, but also the one that makes the you know the kind of giddy world building side of me want to start getting some capital L lore is like, what about the like what gland did he just kind of like yank off of his nuts and throw at Noah to put on as a glove? It was his butt. Like, what, 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 according which, according to cut line, of... it was his butt that made the glove. Really? Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Kino. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, yeah, it, it seems, and I mean, it's it's sort of established that Mirage is a very modular um, body, like, and maybe that's one of his superpowers. Maybe that's just a physical thing he's good at. It was implied enough where I'm like, you know, un- unlike the time travel stuff, uh, it's easy for me to kind of headcanon through it without feeling like I'm doing work. Because, um, you know, yeah, they, they pretty much well established. He's, he's very malleable. He can reform. He's got hollow projections. Uh, and yeah, him and Noah were also a, a wonderful uh, duo. I think it really helped Mirage that he also had a very good human character actor to work with. Um, like the um, Noah's performance was was also solidly delivered, and I think that 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 did a lot of work also to to you know shore the fissures uh, wherever they may happen. Um, but yeah, uh, the should we should we talk about the exosuit thing too? Since we're talking about Mirage, yeah. We calling it the Exosuit, or are we calling it the Power Master? Because I was calling it the Exosuit, and then while I watched the film, I was like, 
I was sitting there going like, actually, make my day. Someone say the Power Master, please, with the the. <laughs> they didn't. But that's I'm, until the to- a toy comes out somewhere that, that says a name. I'm I'm rolling with the Power Master. That was actually pretty darn cool. I have one really kind of. I'm sad to say it crit about it, but outside of that, I I kind of like that that little drop. My my audience was a t- uh, not a test audience, but it was a uh, it was a promotional audience with you know reviewers in the crowd uh, for for whatever. Um, there were at least two people who actually went like woo and like like made human noise when that sequence happened because I think they were super like taken aback and into it. Um, but Noah got to you know like got to do a henshin mm-hmm. and got all armored up. Um, I thought that was really cool. I, th- I also liked it because it. I know there have been talks about how the film kind of undoes some deaths here and there, which is on a wider topic. I tend to fall on a very specific note with that, but I liked it that we also, you know, Mirage got to be cool after we thought he was done, and he did a genuinely neat thing that was fun to watch. And I, I like the mid-credit sequence where it's like, yeah, and then I, you know, <laughs> built him back into some dinky car parts, and Mirage is back, baby, yeah. Uh, before I get into into the other stuff, though, the, how about you guys? How did you feel about the, the exosuit, me, the Power Master? I liked it as a sacrifice. I'm not. I'm still not sure mm. how I feel about him. About how it got rebuilt into a new car. Um, mm. you know the like. Hey, you know, I made a prom. You know. This is not only is this the mission, but I also made a promise to your little brother that he's coming home, and this is what I got to do. So this is what I'm going to do, and then he gets a a cool, you know, power fantasy exosuit moment until all are one, and then they save everybody that can be saved in the end. Yay, raw! Like that was cool. You know, sad to see a noble sacrifice, but it makes for good storytelling, and then to have it just kind of be undone which like if mirage getting turned into bits and pieces and made into an exosuit after having that much mass blown off of him why was there any worry about bumblebee yeah the <laughs> well bumblebee the language or not to get too deep into it but the language constantly used around bumblebee was also super weird because mm-hmm. they kept saying, oh, he's not dead, but he basically is, but maybe we could reactivate him. And I was like, this is, it's like, there's foreshadowing, and then there's the Garth Marenghi joke picture. Mm-hmm. And then there's this, where you're straight up saying, oh, also, we just want to point out he's not dead, but he basically is, unless something magic happens. And it's like, okay, so something magic's going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because like, you're, it, you're if, really if that, hammering that point home. If that Bumblebee <laughs> hit in, in the museum parking lot or, or whatever had maybe shown, like... Like some, because it was a sword through the midsection, right, or a blade of some sort through the midsection. Well, it it was that, and then and then a blast, or something. But like, yeah, yeah, it was was like an EMP thing. Yeah. So if it had been like, you know, you see that hit, and then you see like maybe you see energy pull off of it because they're the Terracons and they've got weird, funky Unicron powers, and you see like life get sucked out of him, and then a blast, and then the the the. Autobot symbol being taken like but if you'd seen something that was more like oh life force is being siphoned away that's why he's in this limbo state I might have felt a little bit better about it but instead it was like nah he got messed up but we we found an energon 
plinth for him to sit on for a little bit and have well, the, magic happen. What, what I'll say is, I, I distinctly recall the effect because I thought, given what happened to Ape Link, I was like, are they going to blow him in half? And it was almost, again, telegraphing that Scourge, instead of using the thing on Ape Link that blew a hole through him, he used a thing that they actually had an effect of blue energy trailing out of Bumblebee into Scourge's funny thing. Did they? Thing. I must have missed that. Um, they did. It, it was weird looking. I only I only noticed it because it was so weird looking. I was like, what did he just do? Because he blew a hole through Ape Link. So what was that? And then they, they kind of left it. And I was like, was that just... Because I've seen the trailers, I know that Bumblebee comes back to life. So, like, was that specifically so they don't have a hole blown through them? So it's, it's, it's like, a cleaner transition to coming back to life? I don't know. It was On a meta level, it was very odd. Um, so, here is the whole thing about that entire scene. is like, we're watching a movie that is partially inspired by Beast Wars. We're using Beast Wars characters. And the one thing that would have saved that entire Bumblebee thing for me was the phrase stasis lock. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they kept like, just saying to me, just ex- and Yeah. Just explain to me. Okay. Like he's in like a pow- like his life is in danger. So he's in a power saver mode and we can't get him out of it. Yeah. And in hindsight, I think, cause I think someone will probably, I've, someone would probably even say this to us in a, in a reply. Now that we know what happens, if we were to rewatch it, one could probably say, oh, well, they left all the pieces there for you to put together. It's like, well, yeah, this also gets into the time travel stuff again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the pieces are there, but I think that the ligaments were left out. I think too many ligaments were left out, and it felt more like I was I was more meta aware of what was happening rather than kind of getting into it and figuring it out as as a viewer of the fiction. I felt I was a more a viewer of the the plot, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the the Power Master thing. So the, the sacrifice thing. Here's 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 specifically why I was okay with it. In the film we watched, it felt like it made sense for Mirage to come back. However, I really wish that, uh, and this isn't the thing I was bummed out about, but the, I I really wish that it had instead been Noah was also like dying, and Mirage's thing was to bond with him physically, and they would become a new entity. Uh, primarily Noah, right? But, like, with Mirage's body, like, like supporting his. So it wasn't literally a suit he could take off. It was like, this is his body now. Then I would have also been like, yeah, that is Mirage's sacrifice. That's, yeah. abs- That's f- like, him giving up his body fully. Um, in, in what we had in the film, especially when they had that shot of Noah, like, looking at the suit, like, you know, kind of standing on the other side of the, the shot from him, mm-hmm. I was kind of like, well, now I feel like you got to either you got to tell me explicitly Mirage is not in there anymore, or I'm like, now you got to rebuild him, I guess, like, <laughs> if you're okay. Uh, I was I was okay with the whole exosuit aspect. Okay, fine, this is, this is cheesy, but it lets the human actually get into a fight with some sense mm-hmm. of, like, oh, yeah, this is, this is feasible in-universe. This is actually a reason why the fleshy human mm. can actually put up a fight against the Transformers. I was there, and then Prime went into the wormhole until Noah <laughs> grabs him with one hand Listen. and plants his feet <laughs> and single-handedly holds him from going. Now I'm a little... Now you're, you're, you're pushing it for me, movie. You're pushing like it. Noah's former mil- no, Noah's former military. Okay, like he <laughs> he's he's been trained. 
Yeah, it was kind of okay, funny. So you tell you tell me, yeah, you're telling me the giant robot couldn't get a foothold or couldn't get a thing, you know, hand down to hold himself from getting sucked into space. Well, you see, it's a matter or, of his feet are actually so big that there's no spot to catch. <laughs> versus Noah's smaller feet, he can he can get a get an angle where Optimus Prime's big just foot pad would have skipped over it before because it's not like his feet are gecko feet. And then. The I thought it was funny magic that... rocket booster in his back when they were going the other way so that he could help Prime be a kickboard or something. I, I, I thought it was funny that also Noah with one arm grabbed Prime after literal Optimus Primal walked off. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yo, Primal, you got a bigger arm than this dude. Why? Come on. <laughs> uh he came, back, he came back after, but with the way he came back, I was like, oh, you saw Noah do this, and you felt sheepish. Yeah. You felt sheepish, my man. I could... Ah, <laughs> uh, the human's going to show me up. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, the thing that did bum me out a little bit about the Power Master is that it was fully CG, and it was because it was not just that. It was fully CG with Noah's face showing. If his face got a, a plate over it and it was fully CG... That's okay. Yeah. But they went for a CG suit with his his face kind of composited, and it looked real rough yeah. Yeah, in that some was, of those shots. That was another one of those things. Uh, it was like, yeah, a, a face visor or something over top of it would help with that, but it seemed like his face was pretty far forward in that helmet in some shots, and maybe not quite as in others, which... Yeah, I, I and, guess that they actually had. The I, yeah, I know. I saw a behind the scenes shot where they had him like on platform boots with like dimensions, the shapes with the shapes there. there. Yeah, the, so that they'd have like probably you know, and it's a good thing because it let him block better, you know, so that he's not too short after yeah. he supposedly gained size, and he can have something to to be in in the scene and make the appropriate and whatever to be like 80 yard later i guess but you know to to do that and then still be that kind of off of like yeah put him in an actual helmet on scene well i was like i was like build the suit there should have been a physical suit i sat there and i was just thinking 2008 iron man Robert Downey Jr. in many shots was wearing a physical, just the Iron Man suit. He obviously couldn't run around doing stunts in it, right? But they they built a suit for him to inhabit so that they could just film the actor in a suit. And when I looked at the Mirage, you know, Power Master design, like, it's kind of goofy that it has even, like, Mirage's, like, you know, headlight boobs and stuff. Mm -hmm. But the whole time I looked at it, I was like, if you're going to do the visor face thing where I can see Noah in there... I was just like, God damn it, just make it a suit. Like, it would have been so cool to have the publicity shots of, of like, Noah in the suit, you know, with some really good pho- photography done. Uh, and, I, you know, that that's the way that a lot of live-action armor suits have gone in the last decade, but it also just backs up my point that we lose something, I think. And, and it, it also compounds it for me that in 08 in in iron man one that was specifically not the way it went there were cg shots Mm -hmm. but they also built a suit and it was so impressive to me at the time i remember that's what that's what gave me confidence in the entire film that the suit was going to exist in physical in at least some shots uh it's what what lost me on uh on iron man you know later on in the mcu was how non-physical his suit became 
um, it was harder for me to take it seriously. And and so, th- I just really wish that that suit had been rendered in physical. And I'm, I'm glad that the shapes were there on on you know the the lines and circles suit. But even on that blue screen set, I was like, man. Even on that blue screen set, if you lit him right, it would have looked even cooler. Mm-hmm. You could have put wires on him, had him float. Over. Oh, I was, I was just so bummed out by that. <laughs> uh, anyway, that I had to get that off my chest. Um, anything else uh, Mirage wise, or shall we bump over to Aaron for another uh, potato uh, to, to pass? I'm trying around. to think if I have anything else Miragey. I like that they at least got the F one nod in and the half of the other Autobots from the first half of the first season nod in real quick for the <laughs> how he how how they were gonna make money on him. Um those were <laughs> those were nice simple nods um that I, I I think would have, you know, done well to show the garbage truck with a glitch or whatever else that he can you know, he's very adept at changing his, his visual form rapidly. Um, mm-hmm. but, yeah. and, uh, hey, we can acknowledge also studio series toy looks all right. looks kind of chunky. There's a real funny face on the box art. that certainly wasn't in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they got to work with what they got, but, <laughs> um, yeah, Aaron, uh, what about, let's, let's, let's pop another topic. What's something else that's on your mind about rise of the beasts? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll bust the big one out. Um, I'm disappointed that. They had like what four character deaths, four four robots, four good guy robots, I guess, because the bad guy robot, bunch of bad guy robots died. But like Ape Link dying in the beginning was a good way to show, hey, these are serious terms. Um, it's cool that Ape Link mm. was Ape Link. Like that's a a deep cut. Um, that apparently was just so that they didn't have to make a whole new model. Uh, but then, like, <laughs> Air Razor died. We never even saw her all, her robot mode. And then Bumblebee's death mm. and Mirage's death, and two of those weren't really deaths. Like, if, you know, they're as seemingly plastic as they are, grab, like, the bits of Air, of Air Razor's wing that weren't totally corrupted and put her on a, a new bird or something. Well, here, let me let me do the head cannoning now that, that, uh, that sometimes happens. Well, you see, the Maximals simply don't have the capacity uh, <laughs> for for modularity that, that exists obviously in the auto. Even though the Maximals are both from the past and the future, they clearly don't have the modularity uh, in, in, uh, that exists for this. Yeah, it, it was. I, I think that it was mostly like that. You know, it's Bumblebee and Mirage, and they demonstrably would like to keep them around for various reasons. Yeah. Uh, which I, I can I do think under- that Air Razor's Air, Air Razor's death was good. It yeah it brought yeah. conflict. It like it did all the things. I'm not upset that Air Razor died. Yeah, yeah. I'm, it, it just sucks I, that I'm she spent the entire movie as a bird. Upset <laughs> that she spent the entire movie as a bird. Um, when there were plenty of opportunities for her to transform, there were. Two, like three. When she got corrupted. Three different times. Yeah, when she got corrupted would have been a, a, a cool time to see it. And then you could, could have even had her, like, transform. And then you see the, like, corruption as she's transformed. Like, her face does something that makes it all terrifying. Yeah. Whatever. Like, there were opportunities in there. And for the other two 
what could have well been meaningful deaths of Bumblebee. Like, how bold would it be to have Bumblebee be, be dead? Hey, no. Oh, it would have been just fantastic. Oh, come on. It would have been so. I mean, it would have su- it would have been sad. Hasbro corporate. What a great way to Hasbro just, like, corporate <laughs> would probably have some really big notes on that one. I have a note for you, and it says right here, "fuck you." Like, it, yeah. you know, you want to sh- you want to show like, hey, these, this movie has impact. You say like, hey, no, Bumblebee, Bumblebee died. He he took the hit, and yeah, you know, maybe we search for Spock this thing and have him like he's he was mostly dead and you just don't immediately resurrect him this time you have it be you know the next movie is there they find the all spark and use the all spark to rejuvenate him vein of dark energy yeah key to vector key to vector sigma whatever yeah you know you can have him come back in the next movie but having him come yeah, back yeah. in this movie to then also be the cavalry that comes in and turns the tide at the key point in the battle was a li- was like mm, come on it, the the cherry the 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 ugly maraschino cherry on top is that the way he came back was the most like it it wasn't like as bad it was just like the way that he came back I was like look I. I know that ostensibly kids are watching this, but like, I think even kids are going to come away from that going like, that was kind of, that, that was sort of beyond foreshadowing. I think that the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, the artist's use of subtext was non-existent and that I could have done with this to touch the subtlety, in fact, because it was just like, well, we don't know how we will ever bring him back and reactivate him. It would take a colossal surge of energy. Well, there's natural energy on here. Well... It's not going to work unless we can get some kind of colossal energy surge to activate it. We'll just put him on this rock that is full of energy on, even though yeah. it's just a nice place for him, but it would take a huge surge. And then the whole time I was like, I wonder what the magic surge is going to be. And then when the surge wasn't even an accident or something really directed, it was just like, Scourge doing his thing actually was just the surge. I was like, he couldn't have even like... <laughs> You know, had someone heroically redirect energy, he couldn't have had mm-hmm. Stratosphere go like, hey, my, 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 I know this coward named Jetfire who would never do this, but here, I'm going to give you my power system. Yeah. Uh, like, there were so many narrative ways, dead, shallow, simple narrative ways to do it that wouldn't have felt quite so, like, by the numbers. Like, it was, it was just so, so loud mm-hmm. the way they did it. I was like, okay. We're yeah. <laughs> And yeah, the, the the cavalry thing was actually the worst part for me because I was like, Stratosphere is, isn't part of the cavalry though. Yeah, Stratosphere is it's big. Just he him. should just be coming in and just like <laughs> slapping things. No, no, like like Giant Man in the fourth Avengers movie just come in just like punch the giant thing that it took eighteen Avengers in the first Avengers movie to take care of, and Giant Man's just three stooges in them like. You know, have have Stratosphere come in, yeah. or even then have Stratosphere say something like, "Oh, you know, you have some line in there of like, oh, well, because he's a, a mostly hollow jet, he's you know, like not combat worthy because a, a, a glancing blow could I'm core old him and or weird. something." Yeah, yeah, he's he's old and he he's like not the kind of robot that can fight. 
effectively or or whatever you know or have them have them land hard at the end and have an engine fall off or something make it look like there's a serious reason why he can't be at this battle for all of two plant you know for the future of earth and the future of of the cybertronian race or whatever you know the final terms no man i got i got my 15 minute break now i'm sorry you guys that you know as soon as the union says i can come help you know I'm right there for you. That thing you know. I coughed up in my opening scene, that was actually really important. And the fact that I flew to Peru with that, it's actually really bad. I've been yeah. bleeding for three days. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually really ill-advised. It's just, that's my hubris. Some way to, some way to explain uh, some of that. Those are, those are some of those just like little like, I understand that it's not that kind of movie, but I've seen enough other good TV shows and cinema and import shows and everything else. And like, man, it seems like, whew, I really wish there was, I, I'd love to see the writer's room better well, that, than saying like, Hey, this is how it could have been. That's the bar that was, I think, raised by Bumblebee is that now we can say, when we talk about this, we can't just say, Oh, but it's like, you know, it's a kid's toy movie. Cause it's like, it is. But we've now had one of these that was a very good kids' toy movie that mm-hmm. that kind of had very nicely shored up, you know, uh, stitches on every side. Like all the seams are fairly clean. There's not a whole lot of you know stuff hanging out the back. There aren't weird trailing sausage links mm-hmm. connected to the rear bumper. It's just it's a very simple but shored up, nicely formed little movie. And so now when we have something like this, you know, this whole Bumblebee Bumblebee isn't dead, but also we can never bring him back. We'll just keep saying all the ways he come back. Right? It's like. Well, that's not very short up. That's that's just real messy, uh, and that's kind of like that's the kind of messy that like kids notice even mm-hmm. like they, that they're just gonna be like, well, that was kind of silly, but I like bumblebees, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, I actually had a quick tangent about stratosphere because I don't think it warrants the whole topic. But before I do that, uh, TJ, what about like, anything about the the deaths and rebirths and non rebirths that kind of stuck <laughs> out to deaths, you? Deaths, rebirths, non rebirths. I was happy it wasn't prime for once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been too loud. Felt overplayed. Yeah, <laughs> I do think there is something bold uh, about letting it be like letting bumblebees stay dead for most of the movie. Obviously, they're not going to going into that. It's like even if it wasn't just like even if they didn't put Chekhov's gun in a neon gun case, you know, <laughs> like even if they didn't do that, you're still going into the movie yeah. being like if you saw any promotion for this movie. You saw that shot of Bumblebee jumping out of stratosphere and just shooting down satellites. I'm pretty sure that wasn't cut from the movie as I'm watching this. I'm pretty sure that scene's still coming yeah. up. The, the trailers did no favors to the Bumblebee plot because, yeah, like literally the first major set piece shot they were showing off was like Bumblebee jumping out of the plane. No, you see, like, that's like, like again, that's that. like the, the, the Marvel <laughs> movies where they show Hulk and Wakanda. Hulk wasn't in Wakanda. It was Bruce Banner. OK, now to be to be fair, like they did have <laughs> scenes in the trailers in the in the commercials that weren't in the movie. Yeah. Like there's that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's that sh- yeah. There's that shot where like Bumblebee's just kind of like. Or not, not Bumblebee. Like RC is just kind of like waving to our. God, was it? What's her name? I can't remember her name. Uh, I, I'm about to call her Dominique Fishback because I remember her actor name. <laughs> uh, Alina. Uh, uh, Alina. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah. That whole. Yeah, but it's just uh, that. That's. I'm not really here. It's not really robots. Whatever. Cut over to RC. Yeah, that wasn't in there. Not in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So they did. They did a little bit of that. They did a little bit of that. But that's a very major like. That's a very major stage, like, CG effect to get that bumblebee jumping out of that plane. I'm pretty sure it's happening. 
I was like, I was like, you might like if they paid a lot of money to render that with the idea, like, and in fact, that was a that we substituted his model in. That's someone else jumping out of the plane. I would have been like, you got me, but they yeah. didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, the the deaths in the movie, I it's not terribly shocking. I think mirages at the end is overdone. Yeah, they they shot him a lot. They, 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 well, they shot him a lot, and then you've got the little brother's speech through the walkie-talkie while he's, like, coming back online, pulling himself together, turning into the exosuit, like... Yeah, and see, that's why I was okay with Mirage's death the way that it was, because he was, you know, he was defending his... his 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 buddy I'm, I'm pulling a blank he's defending noah with his you know shielding him with his very body and then yeah. gives his body you know i i i i i'm with you evangelist i think if there'd been some like other wound or even if it'd been like he starts blasting him with just a wave of fire and you see noah get burnt and then like that's like yeah. oh mirage really has to like wrap noah up in order to protect him and it ends up becoming this badass exosuit that then he can you know, carry on the fight with if it had been something more like that. And then that was like, go back to the little brother and say, yeah, you know, Mirage protected me and gave up his life. And now I'm going to do what I can with the robot suit and help these guys out and like have it feel like, you know, somebody handed me this torch and now I have to carry it versus like, eh, I'll just rebuild them yeah. in a janky busted up version of a car that, why has it got to be that car anyway? Because we already know we can change into anything. Just throw them into a, in a Yugo and well, let them I also, use I mean, you might, that you might and not, that might, yeah. That might have been the part that Sturge shot off. Yeah, maybe. Like the 18 extra transformation cogs he has got blown out of him. <laughs> I was going to say that also... In this in this other world, right, where it was a literal sacrifice, and Noah has also had to sacrifice kind of his normal, you know, human life to be, you know, partially mechanical. Now, I was also like, and you have a name set up for this, literally Sonic Mirage. Mm-hmm. Get total like Japanese G one style. We we put the two names together into a prefix and a suffix, and we boom, it's the storytelling's right there. Uh, but uh, also, I wanted to quickly highlight. I, part of the reason I think Air Razor's death worked really well is I went into the film kind of thinking there I'm going to be I'm going to hear lines which are Michelle Yeoh and I'm going to hear lines which are Academy Award winner Michelle Yeoh and there's going to be maybe a little discernible <laughs> difference between when they were like we should have her talk more. Uh, two of those lines were her final lines I think to my ears they sounded like it when she was saying like it's okay do it that kind of thing. Uh, and that really actually helped make that death scene, I think, be a lot more noble. Uh, I think it also helped they didn't literally show, as, you know, those producer that producer gang often likes to show, they didn't get super explicit with, like, and here's Air Razor literally getting ripped in half or something. They mm-hmm. they made it very tasteful, if that's the right word. Like uh, slow motion Play-Doh squish? Yeah, like, they, it wasn't, like like obsessively like I always use the word nihilistically cruel is the way that that violence tends to play out uh it was it was like very noble and oddly tasteful uh and it and it put a ton of emotion uh, in, into that whole sequence it was i think maybe the best executed transformers death i have seen in the live action movies ever in yeah. that i remember the death and i don't remember all the funny over gory stupid details of it 
<laughs> yeah, because they, they didn't—they didn't have her head fall I, off or something. Like, yeah, like I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm not okay that Air Razor went is the one who got killed out of the Maximals because it's the only one we had a lot of time with, like primal to an ex- primal to an extent. But I don't like getting it. I don't like characters who are invented just to get attached to them, just to sh- just shamelessly kill them off. Mm-hmm. Like that feel that feel that's always that's always that feels manipulative to me. Like that's literally all you have accomplished in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I will say the death is handled really, really well. Not not only because it does mm-hmm. feel noble for Air Razor to realize this is how it has to be, but also like Perlman and Primal did a great job of like convincing me that this was really, really hard for him to do. Yeah. And it set him apart from Optimus Prime to me because, like, live act- even this version of Optimus Prime, live action Optimus Prime, is is as a joke, but also not as a joke. Often portrayed like incredibly scary to me. Like he doesn't seem like my friend. Uh, in this movie, he has a very big tired dad energy, which is the first time I feel they've ever really truly justified that vibe. But it feels like he's the one who would just go like, I guess I got to, and just put a gun to her head and go, and that's it. And I love that Optimus Primal, the the big difference is he's the one who's like, I don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. And then he looks, like, destroyed while he's doing it. It it Um, portrays so much, like, character difference between live-action Optimus Prime and what Primal was going for in this movie. I, and I I also agree. Like it, it sucks that like yeah, Air Razor. I was astonished how much like that she was the I think maybe the most screen time or at least most speaking time maximal in the whole movie. Uh, and uh, also I I will for all the compliments I had about this the the context of her death felt in, incredibly silly because <laughs> she, she was like yeah scourge touched me no one ever recovers from that. But I bet I will. Anyway, I'm just gonna hang around. I'm sure this is fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the fact that she acknowledged that not only does she know that something's up with her, but that Scourge is legendary for for whatever is happening. I was kind of like, dog, you, you you exposited so much that you seem foolish now. <laughs> oh no. Uh, but it's it still. I, I was. I was worried it was going to be that she like grabs someone, brings someone to Scourge, and then Scourge just blows her head off or something, so that we, you know, it would get all Lorenzo gang. But uh, yeah, I, I thought it was done a, a lot better than it than I was expecting. Um, which brings me. I'm going to take a, a potato to toss to the crowd now. I don't want to get into a negative one right away. I want to save that for later. I want to get into a positive one. So I'm going to talk about Scourge. Uh, and by proxy, the terror cons, because I think that collectively they form a topic. Um, I don't think there's, like, tons to individually go into on Battle Trap. Sorry, David, saw the love. You did a good job, though. Uh, but uh, I, I, Scourge I, I, the terror cons. I'll, I'll, take, I'll, I'll take a turn in Battle Trap when it comes time. Okay, okay. But uh, primarily Scourge. Uh, Peter Dinklage, my man, was sounded like, at least he was able to convince me, that he was having fun. Just playing a, a friggin' spooky supervillain, a big cartoon supervillain. Uh, I, I I really enjoyed it. It was it was night and day when it comes to celebrity plays Transformers villain. Night and day when you take Peter Dinklage as Scourge versus uh, Elrond as Megatron. That's embarrassing that I called him Elrond, uh, <laughs> but you know who I mean. Um, I have hit a name wall because we said enough names that it's it's Hugo flooded Weaving. to the back of my RAM. Hugo Weaving, thank you. Wow. Anyway, 
you could you I mean also there's footage of Peter Dinklage in a booth. So you can it's the whole vibe. Peter Dinklage is in a booth. Sounds like he's having fun. Hugo Weaving recording these in like a hotel room. Sounds like he doesn't know what movie he's recording them for nor does he care. Uh that's not a character judgment on Hugo Weaving, but like I really dug uh who and what Scourge was. Um even the parts I didn't like are funny enough that I enjoyed them. I, I thought that he was very menacing. I love that they, 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 they took ape link perfect character to wharf out on someone like this. And then they scourge mm-hmm. shows how tough he is by just blowing a hole through the side of ape link. Uh, like real spooky. Like, um, I, I kind of like, they never really went into why he has a truck mode or how he got all those insignias because they played it so straight facedly that I didn't care. Um, he was he was uh like you know a servant of unicron type character i i kind of dug how they they sort of played with the idea that whatever this scourge is this is the husk of whoever scourge once was and scourge knows it but he kind of doesn't care anymore um and uh, obviously there was food left on the table in that regard um but uh, i i really enjoyed him i was actually the fact i think my least favorite part about scourge is that they killed him at the end i think scourge should have survived um, in fact, I was convinced that they were going to mangle him to pieces and then we'd have an Armada sideways moment of Scourge animating back to life because he doesn't get the mercy of death. Uh, in my head, that's what happens off screen because the movie does get a little bit hackety hack editing style near the end of the film. But, uh, I, I like, I was like, Scourge was so convincing to me that I was like, this is like a dude who has lived through time multiple times and has no say in his existence and he hates it. And he copes uh, right down to that super weird sequence. I'll, I'll make this maybe the kickoff for the discussion. The super weird sequence where his mask gets knocked off and the entire film portrays it as a, a reveal and a revelation of his face being a funny looking little guy. <laughs> it's supposedly another thing that was cut was there was some ex- supposedly some explanation or some... Um, something of Scourge fighting back against Unicron where we see that and then we see his face get messed up and then uh, like, that was supposed to be a, uh, that was supposed to be a reveal that's just like a vestigial reveal now there there's a lot in this film that is like that's that's like my my big opus point I guess that I always have in the back of my head but yeah that every time I've had a weird moment with a, with the film like this, someone has been able to tell me, oh, actually, we've got word that there was a... that's a vestige of a cut sequence. Like, th- this has the filmic version of the little feet on on classics Galvatron uh, is the mm-hmm. way I'd put it. Like, those are all over the place. Um, but, uh, yes, I, I, I really dug Scourge, and uh, that's important, because, like, you know, conversely, Dark of the Moon, Shockwave... I'm gonna say this. Dark of the Moon Shockwave sucked. Uh, he, <laughs> he looked really cool and he sucked. Uh, and I didn't feel excited about him after the movie ended. This movie ends and I'm just like, dog, like if we're going to keep this Unicron story going, just have him blip Scourge back into life. Like <laughs> make that, make that the torture of Scourge's existence is that he doesn't get to die. Like that's, that's, that's the vibe I got off that character. Um, and, uh, and by proxy, like, like just commenting quickly on him, the terror cons, perfect henchmen. Perfect henches for him. The free, the freezer twins, uh, Nightbird and Battletrap, were like they just you know the two who could talk, just dropping menacing quips here and there that had that vague tone that they've just been through all this too. Uh, and I love that the freezers 
I need to rewatch parts of this still, but the four-armed freezers seem to be a unique pair that Scourge just keeps in his shoulder blades. Uh, who have oddly effective jump scare horror scene aesthetic to when they're on screen. Like the, the terror cons just kicked ass. Like I, I really enjoyed them. The, the bummer being they kind of got left out at the end of the movie. In my opinion, uh, they really got, um, their time taken up by things that shouldn't have been there. But, uh, before I get yeah. too deep into that, yeah, the terror cons, uh, TJ, how, how, how'd you feel about, about these fine folks? I, I, I'm kind of with you on the ending and the final fight. Like, there's a lot of reliance on little scorpion drones and just, like, generic, I, I guess, just Unicron minions. The, uh, I, I can know, actually I can get on a rant about those. I will hold off for a sec. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, Night, Nightbird was fine. I like the, the little quips and the attitude she had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I liked it. I liked, I liked. Well, well, I'll get into that in a bit. I, I liked that that she actually did have. I mean, I don't expect a a shatter out of her, but I had enough personality out of her mm-hmm. that I could actually tell who she was. Um, <laughs> and she did. She did feel like, especially in the museum fight, she definitely felt threatening enough. So did Battle Trap in that. Uh, I wish Battle Trap got more lines. Yeah, that was frustrating. I really took to Battle Trap just based on how he liked to fight. Yes. Just those grapple yeah. chains that he was coming up with different ways of using, like like spinning, using to spin around in vehicle mode without losing speed, just finding things to fling at Autobots. Like he was watching him in the, in the big fight scenes was a lot of fun. I'm buying the toy based on the movie. I, I oh, wasn't going to pick yeah. up the toy right away. And I, I'm buying yeah. it because I liked him in the movie so much. And I, I haven't yet, but like seeing that, you know, the, the leader studio series Primal is coming with a chain that's actually for him. I'm like, hell yes. We're <laughs> yeah, I, I was sold. Like he kicked ass. That, that's part of why I was so bummed out about why they got left out of the end uh, of the film so much is that like they they portrayed Battle Trap as... Like immediately in the museum scene, one hundred percent, you are shown why Battle Trap is also a terror con and why it's not just Scourge and a couple of these folks. It's these are a trio of colossal threats. Like there, there's a reason yeah. why three of them are a planetary event, uh, which it, I loved. What I really liked about the three terror cons is the fact that it felt like more classic Transformer villainy. You know, they weren't they weren't just mm-hmm. the snarling piles of shrapnel that we saw in the Bay movies. You know, just slobbering mm-hmm. everywhere for no reason. Like <laughs> they had just enough personality shown to them. They had unique abilities. That's what got me. So that, that mm-hmm. I could see the different tricks and abilities that the different Terracons had, which kind of throws me back to like G one where you've got You've got teleporters, you've got, you know, you know, uh, you know, like Mirage's invisibility or holograms or all the different tricks that Transformers were individually capable of. And now I'm I'm getting that in the live action movies and I got it in the Terracons and it made me really happy to see. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's even something that goes a long way towards like they had character. Yeah. Yeah, like they didn't all fight the same way. They had different fighting styles. They had different, you know, there was conversation in there that 
barely barely got in the Bay movies. Yeah. You know, it was just yeah. noises it's and then actively like, spitting as TJ mentioned. A claw. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what I meant early on about them being like they aren't deep characters, but instead they are perfect cartoon supervillain characters. Like they they all have a power, they all have a bright color, they all have a distinct voice. Uh, they're threatening, like, they, they were fantastic cartoon villains, which is great for a Transformers movie. Uh, especially a sprawling, giant-casted pseudo-mess like this one began to become, or threatened to be more of, uh, in before I saw it. Like, like that's all I needed from them. Uh, I would have loved more Scourge backstory, I think that's a loss. But, uh, at least what we got was, was very solid, um... But yeah, TJ, I was glad that you you got me right away about they. So I won't. They got really left out at the end of the movie. I rewatched the end of Bumblebee to kind of confirm my point to myself. Uh, I don't care that they got killed. I, even though I think that um, by proxy of being left out of so much of the film, Battletrap and Nightbird, Battletrap had an okay death. Nightbird's death kind of was a, a piff. It was kind of just a little whiff of smoke that was really kind of a bummer. She, she, and it's it's unfortunate she had to just be Bumblebee's cool kill for the movie. Yeah, and and not and neither of them got to do much other than get killed. And it's because, and I am putting this blame. I have no confirmation. This is all gut feeling. Because the Lorenzo gang went back into full gear, and I'm just I'm connecting points here. What is a hallmark of the Michael Bay quintology from movie two onwards in the big final set piece? Giant armies of funny-looking little guys. What is the hallmark of the final set piece of Rise of the Beast? Almost out of nowhere, a giant army of funny-looking little guys, literally just materializing out of the walls. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it stuck out to me like a sore, sore thumb, like a big shriveled maraschino cherry, like a bunch of ketchup on top of a uh, Chicago-style hot dog, uh, it felt like someone else walked into the kitchen and went like, I know how to make this better. And by proxy of that, now you have to work on a set piece with a giant army of little guys. The silver lining, you use them to make the, especially the Cheetor and Rhinox look cool in robot mode, so they finally get you know a little bit of time to do that. Uh, but they could have also done that by being the ones who took on the Terracons for most of, of, of a fight sequence. Uh, we could have just had a... Imagine if that whole action sequence had its time pared down to the Terror Cons versus the Autobots and the Maximals. Maybe we get a pair of new freezers in. Maybe the Scorpion drones show up halfway through when Unicron you know, sticks his nose through the portal, and that's the big moment. I couldn't believe they tried to make a moment out of Unicron sending dropships down when the fight began with one million funny-looking little guys materializing out of walls. Because I was like, yeah. those stakes are spent, my man. Like, I I can't care. Yeah. <laughs> it, and that's almost the thing that seems like they have the timing wrong on that. It should have been like the portal starts to open and Unicron is ready with the first wave of dropships that yeah. generate all the... All the a, dudes, rather than like the weird hitch. It's almost, catch. It's almost yeah. like the, you, like Unicron came through the door and went, "Oh, you're using the old model of the funny little guys. Let me send you the new model of the funny little guys." I gave him eight legs and a tail. Bipeds are out. <laughs> Arachnids are in. Uh, 
Yeah, and, and it sucks because there are really good sequences in the fight against the army of funny-looking little guys. But um, mm-hmm. as a fan of the Terracons, I also feel that it was a net loss of the Terracons getting to end on super high notes when the museum sequence especially was so strong. And then the, the Peru uh, mountainside chase was darn good as an interstitial action sequence. And and I was like, you hit two good notes that are supposed to build up to a beautiful crescendo, and we did, and they got robbed of it. And then uh, Nightbird got sacrificed to a cool moment, and Battle Trap looked like we saw the end of a better fight sequence. Like it was a good ending, but he should have been having a prolonged fight against first Prime, then Primal, then maybe like Rhinox, and then it's finally Prime and Primal teaming up. Finally, Rhinox injures his arm, mm-hmm. so the Prime can cut his arm, Primal can rip it off, and that's how they get him. Instead, he suddenly just became silly putty for a second, and again, it's like the Lorenzo gang's fingerprints all over the the pacing of the funny-looking little guy sequence. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a shame because, uh, and I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like, and that ruined the Terracons. It didn't. They are still great. It's just a shame they didn't get to be even better uh, and have the the closure that Shatter and Dropkick got. Uh, as much as I harp on about how Shatter's still alive. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, any other uh, any other Terracon talk we want to do here, uh, or even the Freezers and their like I said, they're they're really in, like I was pleasantly surprised how I got jump scared during a Freezer segment. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like the 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 museum segment for them had some like genuine good horror elements to it. Yeah, the like pan back and forth and there was one of them on top of the cabinets. Yeah. I was freaky. And it, it it made me think about like imagine it, it felt like someone had watched the 07 movie and was like what if frenzy was like the initial delivery of him being this freaky little knife man who can infiltrate anything? But then the payoff is he, he, you know, bursts into a room shooting pistol hands everywhere. Uh, what if instead he was a freaky little knife man <laughs> who could crawl on ceilings and stuff? Uh, so yeah, it, it was it was solid. It, it's I'm holding out that they're going to do a redeco of the freezer toy because the freezer toy is not ver- is not very good. <laughs> but I want to. But I'm hoping they redeco it once so I don't have to buy a toy I don't like twice. So I have all my tarot cards. <laughs> Uh, is that just me, or are either of you tempted to double freezer, or am I am I the only one who got? I've not gotten the first freezer, so I couldn't tell you if it was good to get a second uh. because distribution here has been crap. Oh yeah, Poo. and junk here too. Damn. Well, I hope I didn't put. Actually, no. I I hope I put you off paying full price for freezer because he is sort of a bummer at full price. I... No, I I I actually saw the first wave of the core class. Of the movie stuff at Target, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to buy these. These look cool." Of the Studio Series ones, and I get, and it won't scan. And then they say, "Oh no, these are web. These are Target web exclusives. You can't buy these." I was like, "Then why the what? are they on their shelves?" <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "This is such a lie. You are horrible." But I. It, uh, yeah, can I get a different person? Does no? this freeze? Okay. Does this freezer toy look like he has a red bullseye on him? No? <laughs> you notice how he's not painted red? It's not one of yours. Don't lie it's to not, me. <laughs> it's not in your stupid buzzworthy line boxes. <laughs> get, just, get, just, give, just give it. Uh, 
Yeah, I got a, I got a, I'm working on a review of Freezer over the weekend. So I, I just recently had wrote all my thoughts down in long form, and it's like this is a little capsule. It's a really fun little toy kit, but it's a kit. You have to fix it a little bit. Uh, don't pay full price for it if you can. Um, but yeah, any other any other Terracon talk, or shall we pass the potato once again? Back over to TJ. Um, we talked about this a little bit, but I think uh, maybe a little bit more depth. Um, I love the action sequences in this movie. Uh, yes, I would agree. Um, even I think even at their worst, they are competently boarded, and at their best, mm-hmm. they are super fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's still a little bit of the familiarity from the old movies where I think there's a little bit more spinning and flipping than necessary in some of those flourishes. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. it it really does highlight just like how it it, it definitely feels like since the last night we've yeah. learned and like we've actually taken lessons here. You know, everyone having a distinct color lets me see like what's going on and tell what's happening in a fight. At no point did I feel like I was like losing track of what was happening in the movie. I could follow everything which was really nice. Mm-hmm. It was nice to have fights mm-hmm. in the daytime <laughs> where, 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 yeah, where the half of the shot wasn't obscured in shadow all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. There, there was a lot about that action that felt like it was, and this is a theme to me throughout the film. It felt like one of the parts that was one entity of production, almost fighting another entity of production. Uh, perfect culmination giant army of little guys final action set piece but everyone is so brightly colored and everything is blocked so intelligently as you said you could at least tell where the heroes are amidst the wall and the wave of funny looking little guys uh yeah like that that tracking shot that was in all the trailers of like primal swinging down over to rc riding on the back of someone flips off and lands next to wheeljack and it's like that's that's just a cool shot they're just running around shooting stuff, and it looks neat. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, battle trap too—you mentioned before, like the, the battle trap choreography, super fun. Someone clearly got it. Like a dude has a ball and chain grappling hook set up. Let's do cool mm-hmm. stuff. Um, as mentioned before, Mirage transforming one eighty was just neat. Yeah, I, w- like, I was going to say that the the battle trap, like road combat stuff, definitely feels like something that they had, like. Either really, really good previs software, or they had like a matchbox scale mountainside <laughs> that they like walked some of that action yeah. through to be like, okay, this is how this goes, and then moves, and then shoots the shot, and then wheeljack turns sideways so the missile goes through. Like that was staged well. That really feels like they storyboarded the heck out of it versus you know some other you know. To, to compare back to the Bay Buns, it's like, I don't know, just figure out how explosions work. Make it 10% yeah. bigger. Also, the, the Bay sequence is often culminated in something or someone getting either fatally impaled, decapitated, bisected, or blown up. And a thing that really stuck out, especially that road sequence, when, when Wheeljack turns sideways so the missile goes through, that sequence simply culminated in sort of escape. And I, I liked that too. Like th- mm-hmm. that sort of stuck yeah. out to me. That like we had an action sequence that culminated in th- the characters have escaped the sequence. It didn't have to culminate. Like and then one of them dies because we got to make sure it looks cool. 
uh, it, I like that they got away from that. Um, it's little things. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that. Well, that made me. That made me happy. That made me happy. We have a full fight sequence where everyone makes it out. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 yeah, like the mountainside road scene, like where. Yeah, like like the clever use of the grapple chains and the firing the missile that goes through Wheeljack, which please go rewatch because I will tell you right now, like RC's lip flaps are absolutely oh expletive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I kind of caught that. I, I remember feeling like they got a good expression on her face for a missile is flying literally an inch from your nose. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, in the tra- in the trailer, it's just like, oh, and then you watch the movie like there's a there's a noticeable <laughs> moment where the lips close back together and like you can hear the you can see the the hard F forming. <laughs> Uh, RC also, I thought I thought it was really cool that they figured out. I think a solid, a solid, slightly rote but solid way to make her look effective as a smaller character. Just lots of good acrobatics and and akimbo gun smithing. Oh yeah, oh um, yeah. And like also RC specifically, I remember taking a hit too from a gun during the machine or the the museum uh, sequence, and then she gets up afterwards. And I, I that's another yeah, she... little thing. Some more of the damage left in me from the Bay films, where it's like. A character getting shot doesn't mean they're dead. That's so nice. <laughs> well, she got she got smashed by a pillar that Battle Trap threw at her. I thought she and also took a, a a gunfire shot might, at one. Point. I thought she took a shot. Okay, yeah, she took a shot too, but she she got blasted yeah. in both ways in that fight, mm-hmm. which is and two H- more shots. It's two more shots than the last RC survived. I was going to say, she's also the motorcycle character, and she got to look durable. And I was like, good, thank you, because they mm-hmm. should. They're, they are, they are, it's ostensibly superhero robots. Like, they got to look like they can take a hit, please. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I really enjoyed the action uh, in that. Just, like, the only action that was weak was some of the parts of the army of little guys. And that's just because that is a, a fatiguing way to deliver an action set piece. It reminded me of the end of The Last Night. Uh, how and, and the end of Dark of the Moon, like how tired I felt at times during those. Um, thankfully, so much of the action was good that I didn't feel just like comatose in my brain, but I, I did feel a little exhausted by the end of that sequence just because it, there were so many little guys and so many Scorpinox and, and etc. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to rewatching some of those sequences as proper uploaded clips as opposed to the currently available most of the film uh, with, with camera and crowd style. Um, Aaron, anything else in the action on your end? Or have you got another uh, topic you want to start potatoing around? Um, I, I think that was another place where I had seen some of the like weird slips. Um, was the... Peru action scene. I think it was where Optimus Prime was like driving down, driving through Machu Picchu or one of those things where it was like they very clearly didn't have a a Kenworth up on this mountain here because (laughs) all of the reasons. I think that was another one of them where it was some like, like the just like he pivoted or something weird that really like, again, that like pop moment that snap moment of like wait a second and then it was gone uh but no yeah. it was so mu- so much of the action um and I, and i think again it comes down to i think that uh the people that they have doing it now do a lot better job of 
having the Transformers characters be characters and so framing things, you know, when it's a talkie piece, they frame them like it's a talkie piece. When it's an action piece, they frame them maybe not quite like, you know, like a, a, a fight choreography, but there's definitely a lot more of that language that feels like it's infiltrated in so that they, you know, do the previs. You know, I uh, what was it? There was some... Was it one of the behind the scenes on one of the Marvel TV shows, I think, where they actually mm. showed them walking through a fight scene using like the Black Series or whatever figures as like the first huh. pass of like, here's how we're going to pre, you know, walk through this fight scene. And then they had the like the stunt guys doing it in the stunt studio where everything's got like four inches of padding on it. And then they showed them doing it half speed on set, full speed on set with the rigging stuff. And then afterwards it was like the evolution of how they did it. And so it's like, Oh, they were actually using the action figures in there. And like, (laughs) you know, again, the battle trap fight scene down the mountainside, and, uh, you know, some of those things definitely feel like they went the extra step to, like, how is this going to look? You know, like, what do we want it to do? How is it going to look? Where are we going to put the camera? Be it a real camera yeah. or a virtual camera, like, really thinking through it versus just like, I don't know, a car is going to go this way and it's going to do a U-turn and then we'll figure out some CG stuff. I, I would love for there to be some extensive... Uh... Um, behind-the-scenes featurettes on the Blu-ray about some of the action sequences and with a focus on how much how much more characterfully delivered uh, this many robots on screen was, given that Bumblebee was always able to say, also, there's basically three robots in the movie. Um, that this one, having so many more, they were still able to, to get that across. I think there's a positive spin version of it they could do, which, you know, unfortunately is probably a necessity to get it onto the Blu-ray. Um, and I, I worry that that stuff's going to go very uncredited um, in the greater fandom, be- it, partly because it's something you alluded to, uh, in the action sequences, especially in the final major action set piece, uh, I have a, like I have a lot of good stomach for underdeveloped CG that still has good energy to it. I like I like a lot of weekly tokusatsu, um, and I actually don't mind weekly tokusatsu CG all that much. Um, I got a weekly tokusatsu CG vibe at times Mm -hmm. from Rise of the Beast, and mostly in that it felt like there were missing render passes, so that the the way that light played off of surfaces, the integration of the CG model into the live-action setting, there were times where it felt like I was watching good CG that did not get to have its final one or two render passes which yeah. is very odd to me. Um, and it made the, actually the, before the spider verse topic had come up in the discourse today, coming out of the film back on June 3rd or whatever, when I saw the advance, one of the things I thought was, I feel like I just watched a movie that went through crunch is basically how I felt. I was like, I feel like mm-hmm. I saw a movie where they were scrambling yeah. for the well, last year to implement tons of producer nonsense. Uh, <laughs> that is that is specifically a thing like I, I said that I'd seen on yeah. some uh, articles after the fact saying that like hey it was the first one that wasn't done by ILM it was done by some other three letter company name and then MPC mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, and reports are that they struggled to finish the effects on time, which meant many scenes had to be cut, including a Decepticon transit that like prime kills early on. Um, now I, then... I, I saw that was, I saw that scene had gotten had, like someone, someone told me that scene had gotten like completely finished and then test audiences didn't like it. Maybe there are, there uh, are but, so much, but then it was like about that, that, that then Weta came in in order to do stuff. Most of the ending battle was redone from scratch by Weta. And it was only yeah, because of like Weta doing their thing at the very end that we were able to like have the fan outrage about Wheeljack not having his battle ears. And that like that's why we got it for a split I'm second. I'm not even dignifying that. Um, <laughs> that, that that happened. If anyone brings up Wheeljack's ears as an actual topic, I'm banning it. We're not <laughs> we're not dignifying that topic no, as well, being well, real. You, well, you can skip me next time. <laughs> uh, no, I, I that that makes sense to me. I I had also caught something. This was friends of friends. I had caught something about like there were also other subcontracted studios brought in to basically bolster the CG render and and animating and keyframing effort, who also went uncredited because they were subcontractors, and that's how crediting works, yeah. which is horrible. Um, but uh, yeah, that that tracks. Um, and going off the current conversation, obviously, given that this film was going to come out a while before when it came out, <laughs> given that the Lorenzo gang demonstrably got very hands-on with it and that I could literally taste conflict in the film on a meta level, um, as far as creative input. Uh, I think that the animators on this film, I, I sat through the credits mostly because I wanted to witness all their names. Cause I was like, they probably went through fresh hell <laughs> trying to implement all of the stuff they were, they were being handed and being rehanded on this thing. Uh, and unfortunately, I think that you can notice it even in just, like I said, like it feels like there were missing render passes, not not like in a game where it's like stuff is covered in gradients. It's just like the textures you can you feel like that's sticking out a bit, mm-hmm. as Aaron mentioned way early on in this, you know, like that the the sort of visual filter of reality mm-hmm. was not present on some of them. The, the transition clips you were talking about. So. Yeah, and, and I, I also want to make it really clear that, at least in my case, I absolutely do not hold the animation companies, either of them, yeah. the major ones, at, at fault here. Uh, <laughs> like, when the critique that the first one received was they didn't do it fast enough, I'm kind of like, well, <laughs> I don't like the idea that it's bad that they didn't animate yeah. fast enough. <laughs> Something about that yeah. leaves a funny taste in my mouth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But um, yeah, yeah, the weather thing is, is fascinating. And, and TJ, going off what you said, so there, so with the transit scene, there is a whole other weird thing where Collider interviewed the director, and I'm going to posit something that is not provable, so you can ignore this, but it is my, I, again, this is my gut feeling. I think Stephen Cappell Jr. is falling on a few swords in some of these interviews. Uh, and with the transit scene, apparently it was mostly done, and... It was one of the opening scene was going to be Optimus Prime killing the Decepticon Transit, who says, "Oh, we know where you are, and we're going to come and get you." And then Optimus kills him, and then dumps his body in the Hudson River, where you see it then eventually land on a larger pile of Decepticon bodies in the Hudson River because Optimus has been slaughtering them as they show up on Earth. And apparently, test audiences found it a bit too dark, and Stephen Cappell Jr. agreed, and they're hoping to have that scene put into into the you know the Blu-ray or something. Um, 
I think there are slight truths and, and non-truths all throughout that, coupled with the notion that perhaps that scene just didn't look very good because there was so much work to be done on everything. Um, mm-hmm. Also, that scene And, and is... that's a, a thing that I wonder, like... I, I don't know if it's just because, like, I pay a lot more attention to the Transformers, but does it seem like... Both many of these movies have had extensive research reshoots due to test audience reasons that then we find out from test audiences that like things are drastically different. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. who who is it that makes the call on that stuff? The test audiences don't make the call on that stuff. They simply give the input. Yeah. Uh, I I would dare say perhaps it is producers who make the call on that stuff. Yeah. And uh, unless, hey, IMDb, it's not it's not you know the Bible truth. It's not absolute truth. People could be messing around. I did go look. Did you know that most of the producers of the of the 2007 onwards films have never stopped being the producers of every Transformers film? Because I got surprised by a couple names I spotted. Did you know Don Murphy is still a producer on all these movies? Mm-hmm. I I was I saw his name yeah, and I was like there's... I was like MF I thought you were gone I thought you had stopped this <laughs> uh, so I I think fifteen fifteen producers listed yeah also check out how many screenwriters like, <laughs> at a, at a certain point that's like so many cooks in the kitchen well, and, and let me be fair not all of them are hands on but. I'm going to tell you, I think a bunch of them are hands-on. I think enough to yeah. be too many but, are hands-on. <laughs> but it's like, what is Steven Spielberg doing? He's chilling. With <laughs> Rise yeah. of the Beasts. Yeah, he's chilling. He doesn't, he doesn't need to do anything. Uh, I, I think it's Lorenzo is very hands-on. I wouldn't be surprised if Don Murphy's very hands-on. I think Michael Bay was very hands-on. Because um, I think it was, at some point he mentioned being on set a lot. Uh, as a tr- almost like a transitional producer offering guidance to the director. I think there were at least three producers extremely hands-on. I think Lorenzo is intensely hands-on with this stuff because he, I think he really wants every film to facilitate sales of previous films on Blu-ray, uh, is my impression. Uh, and it, it does lead to these very, like, as, as I mentioned earlier, and as we had pointed out throughout our conversation so far, there is a lot of stuff about this movie that feels like bits and pieces, vestigial threads of things that are not in the movie, but perhaps once were. Uh, mm-hmm. And and one capsule I've had for this film is, it's like The Last Night, but good, is the, a capsule I've had for this. The Last Night is like five scripts stapled together. Uh, and and you can tell, and it's it's it, that is flat. That's period sense. This feels like a really lovingly made quilt, in that it's not stapled together, and it looks really nice. And in fact, I had a good time with it. Uh, but I felt like there were strictly different materials in this quilt as I went through it, as I as I you know wrapped it around myself for the length of the film. Uh, and, and I think there is a whole lot of stuff that sticks out and all that test screening, different stuff only, only compounds it. Like take it as grain of salt as we can, because those are people remembering a screening they saw a year ago. And that's if they're telling the truth, but enough of it corroborated well enough that I think it's worthy of citing. And yeah, it's very odd. And I think that this film could have been much worse 
with a different director who did not... I'm not going to say stand up, but I think of the director of the first live-action Ninja Turtles Michael Bay movie. That's real specific. That's a long title. But you know the one I mean. Uh, Mm -hmm. Where it was produced by Michael Bay, and none of us remember the director's name because the director felt like it was Michael Bay. Because that director rolled over. uh, Hardcore. Um, And I I think Stephen Cappell Jr. did something to make this work in spite of all those producers. And people have shown me quotes he made where it's like, well, he's taking credit for Optimus being more, being violent and saying weird killy stuff still, or the transit opening. And I'm kind of like, maybe he was. But also, I feel it's not unreasonable for me to think there's a little bit of him falling on a sword there. Because he sounds like he wants to stick around for some of these. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll never know for sure. But these are the impressions I got. And this, this is, that's, I guess that's where I'm sticking in that little rant I've had in the back of my head because it is topical. But yeah, there, um, if anyone ever says it felt like there was weird stuff behind the scenes, I would jump to say yes. Because I got that I got that impression as a viewer who wasn't even keeping up with the rumor mill till after I saw the movie. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah, the <laughs> and also those texture pops, man. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, that was the action stuff. Um, anything else about that from either of you guys, or shall we pop over to Aaron for another uh, another full topic? If you've got one loaded in the chamber, that sounded weird. I was waiting to see if there were any other dissents on that. No, no, no. no. Um, Go ahead. Do it. Uh, I, I have an odd disappointment that, like, we barely saw Cheetor and Rhinox. Like, it it's was super, cool that they were cool. there. It was cool that we got to see Transformation. But, like, how, like, we could have had... Cheetor in the underground human bit mm. with this massive, never before seen whole city that's underneath a whole other city that's also somehow lit. Um, concessions to a movie. Uh, but, you know, could have had Cheetor there and have him, like, have some issue with humans or be buddy buddy with humans or whatever and have just, you know, a little bit of extra to then go along with the gauntlet flashlight blaster gun thing um, and have that be a reason like, okay, well, Cheetor is fighting the couple of Terracons that have hunted them down or the freezers or whatever it was that were going after them. And then Noah pops one off and is like, you could do that. And then you have a moment where they get split up and you build some tension, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, otherwise it was like, what were, what were, what were they doing in those other parts? Yeah. It, it so it felt to me, like somewhere in the chain, someone was like, we got to save their transformations so that primal can say maximize and everyone goes, Ooh, ah. And I was kind of mm-hmm. like, I was kind of like maybe, but yeah, at least have the beast mode versions of them exist somewhere. Or no, because uh, the beast, no, wait a second. I'm off on my timing because they ran into primal after they came out of that. Yeah. Yeah. But there were other saying, scenes yeah. though. There, there were other scenes, but yeah, um, other opportunities for stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. it was just like, they were there. It felt like they were there to fill out Optimus Primal's ranks, not necessarily they were there as characters. Well, it, it also um, felt bad that, like, Rhinox arguably maybe has one line and had another one that got cut. Because I, like, my yeah. old joke is, like, Rhinox's con- contribution to the film is he makes the single loudest noise in the entire movie. Because <laughs> uh, that was friggin' loud. 
<laughs> yeah, and and it's a thing that I guess is is like a weird like it's a lot of characters to have, mm-hmm. and especially because of the way the pacing of the story they don't come in until the second half. So how do you like? Do you fill out their ranks and have the Autobots or or, or Maximals have a bunch of like no names that are in the background? But at a certain point, almost stratospheres like that. So I was going to say, can we roll stratosphere just yeah. in with Cheetor and Rhinox? Yeah, because I, yeah. so I, I went on I went I, on, on a Discord or something somewhere. I forgot where I got an answer to this. Actually, I was just saying, why was like, and this is not a, me saying he's bad or good. Simply, what purpose did stratosphere serve being in the movie and having a robot mode transformation and everything all modeled up and animated? What purpose did he serve? And then someone said, maybe he's detritus from that abandoned World War One or World War II Transformers prequel that was apparently in the old writer's room at some point. And I was like, you know what? That just triggered a small memory in, in, in my brain of that existing at some point in a bullet point on a news item. I bet you that's right. I bet you he's some leftover asset that they had kicking around yeah. from an abandoned prequel film. Yeah, but then, but then it's a weird thing to be doing that. Like, you have to explain how how they get to the next set piece. They fly a plane. And that's... <laughs> yeah. And that's the weird, unfortunate filler that's in the middle. Why would the Autobots have a plane that's not just another Transformer? Yeah. Or it's, something. It's, well, it's the fact that... Because it was the fact that he transformed that it was just so weird to me. Because if he was like Air Razor, where it's a plane shows up and yells at them in a funny voice... I'd be like, oh, that makes sense. But then he, he transforms. I was like, oh, so he's going to matter. And then he, he in Peru, he's also in robot mode for a bit. I'm like, wow. And he doesn't do anything. And I was like, I'm absolutely baffled. <laughs> yeah. Although his, I will say his his transformation had one of the, the lines that I thought was about the funniest in the movie of when he, uh, like when they land in New York or whatever, and he coughs out that extra part. And then Mirage is just like, I'm walk. I'm walking yeah. to Peru or whatever that yeah. line was. It was just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that that was pretty good. Uh yeah. so, you know, th- things it, it's a thing that like that at least had stratosphere have a thing and a reaction to the thing and have some existence in there. Yeah. They just they put most of his Cheetor existence and Ry- uh, they, they put most yeah, of his existence on TikTok before the movie came out is the only real bummer. Yeah. Cheetor and Rhinox could have not been in the movie, and I don't think there would have been a difference. Yeah, Stratosphere and... not being in the movie would have had a gap of, well, how'd they get there? Versus just like a big old convoy through places that just... you, you can't really in record time. I mean... Like, it... They they have to have some sort of transport, and at least that's there. No, yeah, Noah's, Primal Noah's... should have other people, but somehow... Everybody that went, Air Razor was by herself, and then Primal took everybody else. But Air Razor made it seem like she had other people that were with her, but we never saw them in the opening scene. So who knows? They were, all, they were just off shot. They were just on to the left. <laughs> well, also, yeah. uh, you know, the, Noah's former military. I could have seen him just been like, oh, I'm former military. I got a buddy. I know where there's a plane, and I'm pretty sure he won't get super mad if we steal it, given the stakes. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But yeah, that's you know that's that's also hindsight. Like there could have been also a lot of this could have well been the what to me seems like apparent very multi-staged we'll call it production of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I was bummed out that we didn't at least get a good look at them in robot mode. Like they were always flipping around and doing stuff. Uh, 
So it was, it was it was easy. Also, I think it was really easy to look at Primal and think I was looking at Rhinox a couple times because um, mm. they had very similar shades. That was the one thing. They were all very dark shades of uh, you know of gray or dark shade of yellow orange or dark shade of brown. It's almost like TJ's point about how the bright colors helped be able to yeah. tell who was who. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like that could have helped with the beast characters. Uh, and, uh, also not, I'm not, I'm not harping on this, like a conspiracy thing, but just, I think this is happenstance, but like another hallmark of the Lorenzo gang is like, what if halfway through the movie, uh, a bunch of other transformers just show up who are dinosaurs, but we did that already. So what if they're beasts and there's like a, a four of them and we barely get, we get to see their robot modes, maybe kind of, but we don't have enough time. At least these ones got to talk is what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> rip Dinobots. Um, all right. Well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, anything else about uh, about the um, the characters who didn't get enough screen time? I guess TJ. Anything about you know Rhinox and Cheetor and I guess Stratosphere uh, that you wanted to throw in on all that? Um, throw Mirage in, or not? Not Mirage. Obviously not. Uh, Wheeljack into that pile. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I forgot about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I forgot. Yeah. That he, yeah. <laughs> He gets Poor one guy. scene to talk. He has this awkward little joke, and that's that's your lot. That's Wheeljack. I mean, I'll, I'll at least give Wheeljack some some fun in that they like had the whole like where's that accent from shtick. Yeah, and it was cute. Like the 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 whole time it was played up that he was the busted down VW wagon. Like you know, even it, when he was with. RC writing inside of him, it had that that feeling to mm-hmm. it. So that's at least characterful things, not necessarily character, but like it was at least shading it some. It wasn't yeah. just he was, you know, tell me what Ironhide was like as a pickup truck in the in the first couple of movies. Uh, it was a big truck. <laughs> he, he did the thing where he jumped over a screaming lady. And yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I think he got peed on at one point. That's about all I remember. Yes. No, but not that wasn't when he was a truck, though. I'm just saying. Oh, true. Like, (laughs) again, to the fact of like, you know, in the first three to five movies, whenever they were vehicles, they were just immaculate. Happens to be the latest vehicle that GMC is selling, type of thing. Versus, you know, in here they're actually character for characterful vehicles. And there, there was a neat, you know, plot implication of like, yeah, there are also just some Autobots scattered around the world. So if they go to Peru, it's like, oh, hey, Wheeljack's over mm-hmm. here. What's up? Uh, Even though his his the Wheeljack, the Pablo, whatever, was seen in like set pictures from New York. Yeah. Well, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. As I said, probably a very multi-segment. More, more, more evidence <laughs> of uh, things being... Multi-segmented. And put in. <laughs> well, there, there was also apparently Wheeljack's dialogue that didn't exist was apparently there was a whole lot more of him being horny about RC um, type of yeah. stuff that, you know what? I'm cool with them cutting that out. I don't know that that... Yeah. That would have taken yeah. some real chops to, to make that play smooth, and I'm not sure that the film had those chops. Uh, it's for the better maybe that they just backed off and <laughs> didn't go for it. Um. But yeah, uh, I forgot about his vehicle mode being <laughs> cited on set for New York stuff. 
I guess maybe he went back with them and he was going to be there for whatever other ending sequences they were going to have. Who knows? Um, yeah, who knows? But, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, unless we got anything else about the unseens, uh, I got a positive one I would like to talk up because I'm, I feel like I've been a bit of a, a, a Donnie downer here and there and I want to get back to a, something I can, I can really hype up. I want to say Anthony Ramos kicked ass in this movie. The, the actor who played Noah, I think he did a mm-hmm. great job. Uh, I got, I said this a lot of places. I got to say it again. A lot of, and this is an absolute compliment, tons of John Leguizamo vibe off of him. Just as far as like delivering like a character who's just trying to get through this real tough couple of days he's having. Uh, and yes. And also the fact that he could play so straight faced and, and, and eagerly into these sequences is what made the power master exosuit bit work despite the visual jank. Cause he looked like he completely bought it as he was performing it. Uh, and, if, and I know for a fact, if we had like a Marky Mark in there, a Mark Wahlberg, that we would not have had that vibe. He sold moments that possibly mm-hmm. could not have worked by just playing them wholeheartedly and well as a good actor. And I was super impressed with him. Um, and, uh, and I, I, I wanted to highlight that. I, and I, I should say, I think, um, Dominique Fishback as, uh, Elena, I think as an actor, she did fine. Uh, I, however, felt she was given very little to work with. Most of her sequences were her to boil it down saying, damn, I, I should have never left New York. And that was kind of her character trait. Uh, and they had that sequence on the plane where she talked about her dad. Um, and, and unfortunately that sequence to me felt, it felt like, and it wasn't like malicious. It felt like Anthony Ramos kind of devoured that sequence and gave again, really good performances, but then it, it, it left nothing for Dominique Fishback to work with. <laughs> like she, I felt bad for her because Anthony yeah, Ramos yeah. really kicked ass and, and she, she was unfortunately just not able to deliver as hard. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and especially like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like kind of odd that she's supposed to be an app, an academic that is just somehow the magical art whisperer person that also hasn't left New York city. Like I could see how I can totally, I've I've been to New York a few times. I can totally see how you wouldn't nominally leave, but I would feel that somebody that has like the level of, I'm going to be an authenticator for a museum knowledge of a bunch of different things is also like, has never left the city. Like it, it, it's a weird, like she, as the actress, like you said, I think she did very well as the character was written was maybe a little bit shout. Like they were trying to write her up to be super smart, but then also young enough to helm a franchise for a few years to take a joke out of Deadpool. Um, (laughs) But, like, there there was a weird, like, cross-dichotomy there. You know, have her be uh, something, you know, specific interest in whatever. Yeah. Like, it, it felt like it was something that was written backwards into, not like we have this character that does these things, how does she do this, versus we need a character that does this, who is it? 
And and it, it definitely helps that they had the funny 60 Minutes gag at the end to also give her character a bit of closure and advancement, because without that, I would have been like, mm-hmm. man, what did... She just she just went along for this thing. So that that helped a lot. Uh, yeah, like, that's really yeah. the only arc she got as a character was just wanting recognition for how good she was at her job and just just basically mm-hmm. watching herself just get steamrolled so someone else could take credit for all of her her discoveries. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, like that, that's really all she had going for her other than just being like the 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 human to explain the thing. Yeah, she yeah. she had ex- exposition machine powers going on. Where again, I I just felt bad for the actor a little bit when I realized, wait, she's the one who cracked open the air razor statue, and now she's got to be the one who knows the glyphs. So she has to be the one to unlock things, and now she has to be the one to fix the you know deactivate the console. And I was like, she's just being given tasks to do basically um, that mm-hmm. that don't let her grow from doing the tasks. They're kind of happening to her. Um, yeah. I, I I think that the the opening part of her arc actually was pretty solid. It's just that it, that ended up being most of her arc because the the whole opening in New York uh, there, that that felt like I was seeing like kind of like Stephen Cappell Jr.'s like personal chops at work of like delivering. You know, these are folks who are not only downtrodden by by circumstance, they are also downtrodden systemically, uh, and and I felt like that was represented pretty well. Um, but I, I could not deny a critique I saw elsewhere of like the New York sequence was very strong, but also ended up being really disposable, uh, in light of the rest of the film, uh, kind of, kind of, um, how do I put this? It became that for sure. When everyone just went to Peru, basically <laughs> it made New York yeah, yeah. really not matter anymore. <laughs> and it was sort of a shame because it felt like there was opportunity for a film that just took place in New York to make more use of that setting. And you could see hints of it in the opening act. Uh, but uh, yeah, Anthony Ramos though, like absolutely rocked. Uh, I would love to see him come back. I, I feel like we are kind of in an anthology form of these films where we, we leave the human cast behind every time, which is fine, but it's a bummer because as soon as we started doing that, we started getting good human cast. <laughs> So it's like we had, you know, yeah. we had, we had <laughs> abused child actor Shia LaBeouf. And then we had, like doesn't need to be here, Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> for multiple films. But then we got Haley Steinfeld and Anthony Ramos kicking ass, but they only got to stick around once. Like I was kind of hoping we'd get to see Haley Steinfeld in this one for at least a, a second. Um, did you hear about the the yeah. fact that that she's actually mentioned by name in a dub? No. Yeah. So you know the part where Optimus says that really loud we know that you know to the audience line of like Bumblebee I know humans have been kind to you in the past like that whole bit mm-hmm. yeah Par- apparently in one of the foreign dubs he just says I know Charlie was good to you apparently oh and I'm like man he should have said that in uh, I wonder one. if <laughs> I wonder if there's some weird thing like if they said it then that's like an actor credit that they have to give compensation for or something if there's some weird mm. some weird hollywood slash union slash whatever stuff going on in some deep background i feel like as long as you don't portray her i think that still get i I always called that one they don't show a photo then it's fine it's the crispin glover clause it's the thing that crispin glover kind of kick-started when back to the future 2 very much screwed him over and <laughs> like hired a lookalike. Yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, I think they would have been clear to do it. I think that was probably more so the the Lorenzo gang wanting to go like, well, we don't want to we don't want to say too clearly whether or not it's a, you know, make sure it looks more like it's related no, to No, she ours. was Charlie with an I E. This is Charlie with a Y. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and, and also that's a thing I read somewhere. I, I did not see the foreign dubs, so we might need to wait for disc releases to be able to confirm a lot of this stuff. Um, but I thought that was interesting. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, we had, we had good human actors for this thing. Uh, I was going to say, do you, I have, I have a little one to bounce off of this actually, but I think this is an actual topic. We could just, I'll save this one. It's about Optimus Prime. Uh, I will bump over to you, TJ, unless you guys have anything else about the human actors you want to throw in there. Um, I could pass it to you for another uh, another round. Uh, how about, how about like, hmm. Uh, I, I, feel, I feel like the biggest one in the room is the handling of Unicron. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Uh, mm-hmm. How'd you feel about it? So I was, I was worried that, like, because... Obviously, it's not a one-movie threat. Like, you don't just have yeah. Unicron show up and go, oh, well, Prime busts out the Matrix and just time to wipe it out, and all right, see you in movie eight. That's not, that's not how that would work. Um, I was worried that it would be a little overplayed, which, okay, maybe starting to come through the portal was a, maybe a little bit of that. Like maybe Unicron got a bit, little bit too close on his first attempt. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm overall like I I actually did feel like yeah like there's this big looming threat in the universe now. Um, uh, and I I like I like that it was I like that Unicron was kept as as, as as small as they could, considering it's Unicron. You know, they get a look mm-hmm. at, you know, like, they get a look at him. They get to actually see, oh, yeah, that giant planet eater is a real thing. And then, we, you know, we suck him back into space. He doesn't have his Terracons anymore. And uh, I'm sure it'll sort itself out and we won't see him again in the next movie. <laughs> that kind of thing. We won't see him again in the next movie, Dawn of Unicron. We absolutely will not see him there. Uh... I, I actually really liked how they, uh, the the sort of reveal that all those scenes of Scourge, you know, like speaking to quote unquote the face of Unicron is mm-hmm. a re- a, the visualization of Unicron pu- like, you know, plunging into his brain and going like, it's, hey, what's, what are you doing? What's going on? Uh, mm-hmm. I that was, that was a cool visual. I, I kind of got a little, a little out of it when Unicron had the line, Scourge, my hunger is killing me. I was kind of like, come on, let him. <laughs> That's not a very grandiose way to put it. <laughs> uh, no, everyone I've talked to has been like, ah, it's fine. But like that line kind of t- made me go like, oh, <laughs> Scourge, I've got the munchies. <laughs> I want epic eats. It's, it's not. Num nums. <laughs> These asteroids are only making me stoned. My ass is chafing me. Scourge. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it definitely could have had a grander feel to it. Yes, a lot of people. I'm going to say a lot of people I have talked to when I mentioned that line. Almost everyone's been like, "It's fine." I don't know why that line grates me so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah, um, we're kind of used to like he's not the only planet eater in fiction. I'm kind of used to Galactus having like these big grandiose ways of stating how hungry he is. My hunger, my sustenance, the eternity of my existence must be fueled. My hunger's killing me. Silver Surfer, get <laughs> me, get me, yummy nummies. Silver Surfer, <laughs> my hunger. Yeah, my hunger's <laughs> killing me is not what a planet devourer says. It's what you. It's what you say <laughs> when you pass by a McDonald's on the way to a on the way to somewhere. Like, yeah, uh, I, I did think you know Unicron the visual the model excellent. Uh, I, I liked, it was a little goofy, but in a way I liked the, you know, the two eyes opening up in a big sea of just machinery. Uh, obviously credited in the credits, they used, uh, part of the Vince DiCola Unicron theme, which was a, a mm-hmm. cool thing to hear. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would agree. I think it, it was a bit much for him to literally, you know, poke, poke literally his lips through a little portal and go like, planet earth, what's up? Uh, but um, I, I, I'm interested to see if they actually carry out this thread. <laughs> I guess I hate that I have to say that, but that's sort of that's where the bar is, right? Um, and apparently they were going to actually have a, a bigger Unicron. Did you hear about the original en- ending of the film? Either of you? I, I'm I am learning so much about how this was a completely different movie at one point. Yeah. So they they Dallas. had a they had a different credit stinger apparently in the test screenings where Optimus Prime did get sucked through the wormhole, and the credit stinger was Optimus Prime waking up floating in front of Unicron. So they were going to go for like a Nemesis Prime sequel hook apparently. Uh, I think it's better they didn't. I think it's better that we had a basically a contained story, but apparently yeah. that was another test screening thing. Um, once again, grain of salt as much as you need for those test screening things, but there, I believe some of those things have been corroborated by viewers of the test screenings at this point. Um, but yeah, uh, Aaron, how much you, how did you feel about Unicron? Anything uh, still uh, still on your mind about that guy? He's big. He was he was it was big. He's big enough to eat a planet, so was, he's pretty big. Um, I, I I think that that's about as good as you could really make a live action Unicron. Because it's it's a thing that's like how do you portray something planet sized reacting with something like not planet sized, you know, yeah. human sized or or transformer sized. You know, it's kind of the you know the Guardians of the Galaxy two ego problem. You know, how he, he, ego's the planet, and the you know the dude we see going around is just some offshoot of him. You know, how do you how do you make a planet be a threat to to something human relatable sized and how do you make something human relatable sized be threatening to a planet and so i i think this did a pretty good job of using the the transwarp key as making the tower thing that's how that becomes a a, a threat to the earth and then it's destruction basically being the threat Kind of to Unicron, and that he doesn't yeah. get his supper. But his hunger's killing him. I think that was, I think that was a good way to balance it. Um, short of having a matrix of leadership, hey, no, this is the thing that turns out can kill Unicron. Oh, yeah, and I, um, I am glad they did not go there. That would have been too. They already yeah. hit my MacGuffin limit with two transwarp keys. Yeah. basically, yep. I, I hit my ceiling. Yep. <laughs> 
Yeah. There's enough so, stuff to find. That in it, that in it potentially leaves Unicron around to be a threat to Earth in the future. Yeah. So they didn't it, kill off the the biggest of the big bads. And because there's also the transwarp keys, time travel shenanigans um, stuff in there, maybe the Unicron that threatens Earth in the future isn't that Unicron. He's a earlier Unicron or a much later Unicron or whatever. Hey, can I, can like, I, it, can I that build part off leaves that? good shades in there. Sure. I want to build off. No, that. no, that's my idea. This... Only I said it. Oh no, I'm stamped. not, no, not your idea. It's just, you mentioned time travel and that's, that's the other little thing that's been in the back of my head. I'm trying to figure out where to slot this in. Uh, so I know, I know that in beast wars, Right, the Maximals and Predacons are future Transformers who head into Earth's past, so they are from the future, but they arrive before the '80s Transformers even woke up. I get that, and a lot of people told me like, "Oh, yeah, that's what they were going for," and I'm like, "I dig it," but I think that the film does not tell you enough about what's going on with all that stuff. Full stop. Uh, as much as I understand as a Transformers fan that I can connect a lot of those dots together. That is a case where I feel I am doing too much work for the film. I I am utterly confused as to the the pro, the production intent of Unicron and the Terracons and the Maximals. R e where the hell they come from? Because <laughs> they have a line about we're from both your future and your past, and that's like that's cool. Uh, and then there's a part where Optimus Primal intimates and suggests perhaps Optimus Prime's imminent sacrifice is integral to the formation of the maximal ideology. And, like, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then the idea that they saved him and maybe they've altered something somewhere, which is what I was thinking. Yeah. But, again, now I'm doing yeah, work what, for the thing. Why would you name yourself after a great leader of legend who passed away if he's not passed away? And then, and then Unicron, they're like, Unicron's no longer able to get to us. And so there is like, okay, one question that always gets raised, like, well, then where'd the Terracons come from? That's one where I'll say, you know what? They're small. There's pseudoscience at work here that like, I can buy it. Maybe they, they got shot through the, the, you know, the laser bridge that the Maximals escaped their home planet on. Um, that makes sense. But then I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, but I wish, you, I wish something of tangible note, and I don't want it laid out to me. I'm not looking for lore and exposition, but just, I wish I understood in the context only of Rise of the Beasts as a film, what was going on with all that, and where Unicron is. And, and I don't know. I, I found, I just was like, that is, you left too much out, this, and there are too many bits and pieces of another story left behind here. And even when I think, oh, it's nostalgia for Beast Wars fans, I'm like, this is obscenely narrow nostalgia as far as, like, the subject matter. Uh, and there are too many lines about it without explaining what's going on, and it really was, like, bugging me after the film. Because, um, like, I understand there are plenty of ways to figure out how it could work, but, like, I feel like that goes out of my comfortable headcanon inventing space and into, like the movie just didn't tell me what was happening, but kept hinting at things it never finished. If that makes any sense. Um, so is Unicron in the future or what? Is he in the future? Is he in another dimension? Is he in, is he in the past of our future or the future of our past? All of those things. If they, if they get time travel with the trans warp keys, uh, then why did they not just keep time traveling to get away by jumping through time a lot more? So it'd be harder to find. 
Uh, it's um, it's uh, what what is it? Uh, there, there's a line in the movie Loop, Looper, where it's like just, just don't think about just, no. Are you telling don't me, think about it. Tell me, I had to watch Looper to understand Transformers: Rise of the Peace. They always make these stupid prequel movies, man. Ever since Marvel, you have to watch all these movies to make sense. I'm making. I'm doing a bit. I'm doing a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, that's the that's the other one of the other thing, little things kind of stuck in my craw a bit about the movie is that they're. There's too much unfinished, unstated, but said out loud time travel stuff. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they, they've they said, what was it? They said like a year ago that this was the first of a trilogy. So they, they said that a year ago. Yes. That'll get... Yeah, well, I know. I know. And, <laughs> and we've already said how there are too many producers yeah. uh, in this pot just continuing to simmer the wrong things. Um. You know, you want those flavors to 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 share with each other, not more ketchup. Each other. <laughs> um, but I mean, it, it's definitely a thing that I think could be could be. I don't necessarily want to say straightened out, but but like investigator more in like the next movie where you've got, yeah. you know, now you have the Maximals, and oh, it turns out that the Terracon, their Predacon show up, and then the other like other stuff happens and mixes it up a bit more or you see the repercussions of that like oh no that was where optimus prime was supposed to die or whatever and then mm. there's some other MacGuffin that why do they all end up on earth um that they have to deal with <laughs> and then lorenzo's like it's because earth is unicron we already established that <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, this is where the timeline split happens because something else should have happened here, and that's why the uh, the the prior five movies, the the quadrology or the quintology, could be what it is, and and it's all one universe. This is Earth one nine 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 nine. Much like in Final Fantasy VII remake, we are in fact experiencing a story again, but the story is aware of it. Uh, I. Yeah, can I, can I, I said this elsewhere, can I say on this recording briefly, like, the ending of this movie, right? Like, surely we can agree. At this point, it's actually inconsiderate to keep arguing that these are all in one timeline. <laughs> like, this, you're wasting yeah. someone's time. Like, that's, yeah. it's, it's gone from, from cute to, like, no, now you're getting into Flat Earther territory of, like, please don't waste my time arguing about this. <laughs> like, there's no way you can, you can make this work. You're just yelling a lot at me, and I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> you know, not to be mean. I don't want to be mean. It's just like, come on. Like Unicron is now also not the Earth, so what are you going to do? What are we doing here? <laughs> they didn't do the bit with Scourge being Michael Bay Optimus Prime. I didn't think they were gonna. They had me going with the mask bit for a second, and they just didn't do anything with it. So, like, we got to let this go. It's just, it's just two fun that, movies now. <laughs> that ending... Oh yeah, that ending. Yeah, also mm. that ending. Sector Seven doesn't exist anymore. I love, th- I love that. I was so worried it was going to be a Sector Seven reveal, and Lorenzo was going to be sitting there in the background with a cigar, going like, "Gotcha." But then, oh yeah, uh, I'll say I'll say the word. It wasn't just that they said GI Joe. It's that the logo was from the failed two live action GI Joe movies. That was the yeah. perfect part. That was what made it <laughs> jump ten times for me. Has, I was like, yep, I was like, no, yep. perfect, perfect. Because yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, didn't hasn't that logo become a little bit more on the few toys that are out? 
or I am g- I just only remembering the the failed live action movie toys that were out? Because I mean, they were all I over could the be, place, so that might be the easiest one yeah. to remember. Yeah, I could I could be off. Like I, I, this was my reaction in the theater, and it helped, or was it was either helped or hindered by a friend of mine next to me then saying unprompted that was the live action GI Joe movie logo. <laughs> So maybe it's been Bernstein yeah. bared into my brain, but uh, I was like, if, if that would be the perfect logo to use, though, because it means like whether or not you go for this, you have lowered the seriousness of these stakes mm-hmm. in a good way. Um, yeah. Also, yeah, and it, at least with that, I would like the thing that was my deep cut hope is that if there is that crossover, that the division of of G.I. Joe that works with the Transformers is Mobile Armored Strike Command. <laughs> and, and go from there. Like, we, we can get Unit E in here one way or another. I was but, waiting for Unit like, E. Had, I, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I thought, like, when that whole thing was happening, that this is like, oh, this is Unit E. This is what we're doing here. Yeah. And it was G.I. Joe flipped over on the car. I was like... Okay, yeah, because like Unity was a thing that happened for like what nine months in 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 the comics before it all fell apart. U- and, Unity, uh, Unity might actually be bad feelings in corporate still. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That but, might like, still they make have someone mask. Mad. Mask, <laughs> mask is mask is like the halfway point between Transformers and GI Joe, if nothing else. Like yeah. you make Noah and and see that's what I would because that came before the Mirage reveal at the end, I was thinking that was going to be that, like, the Mirage exosuit would be, like, the bridging piece. Oh! I didn't think oh. about that. Hmm. That, was, that was my thought before that second credit scene. Oh. And, and I was like, oh, well, that would be interesting, because he's working with the Transformers because he's got a Transformer suit, Maybe Mirage is still kind of in there, maybe not, whatever. And then, like, some of that technology becomes whatever. And then it was like G.I. Joe flipped over on the back. I was like, and what if they, I, mean, I guess I could still do it. What if they were like, but with, okay. your, with your Transformers suit, you will become the action man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then it was like Mirage got a new vehicle body. And it was like, okay, well, that idea is out the window. Unless yeah, he kept yeah, the I, helmet. I, oh, hell yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that's the part that Mirage like threw at. He's like, "All right, I threw my ass at you. That's a glove. Now I'm going to throw my foot at you. Yeah. It's a helmet." Uh, I, I, yeah, I will and say Mirage I, can't. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's still it. Because, well, no. We <laughs> did we see Mirage transform? We heard him talk. Yeah, like he yeah, transformed from like the, 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 fun, the final the, trans- the final product okay. was off screen, but we saw him transforming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I, I wasn't sure how far he transformed. Did he only, like, have his doors flip up like wings or something? You know, like, is there <laughs> some... Like, like he shifted, but he didn't transform. He you know, he converted, he didn't transform. Converted. Uh, <laughs> and and then that's Mask. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, I just I, wanted to throw for, out there... For me? I, hmm? right, go ahead. That was the, the moments of excitement that I had in the theater that was then crashed right afterwards. <laughs> For me, it was just enough that they actually used, like, G.I. Joe instead of just coming up with some random government organization that has to work with the Transformers. I mean, it's Hasbro. It makes all the sense in the world to use the one that you've already created and already cultivated for decades to just, like, yeah, like, yeah, that's the governing body over Transformers now. Like, that makes sense. 
Yeah, and I, I, it, I just want to say my hope is is that it's just going to be a cute little thing. Like I, I am a little worried after the most one of the most recent Stephen Cappell Jr. interviews, um, where he talks about how they only had one business card with the logo on it, and he kept it under lock and key on himself to preserve the secret of the reveal. And that it's going to be the biggest thing ever, and it's so we're going to go so many places with it. Because I was like, "No, dog!" But now you're sounding like you're going to start the dark universe. Yeah. <laughs> like, just keep. So, it would fun. you rather that you rather them have like some weird backronym like uh, like Shield was and. the Avengers movie? Oh, like, I, I just I just want if like, global. Joe, in, what was it? Global integrated joint operating entity or something. <laughs> I just, I just want GI Joe like have them exist for sure, but like make this make the movies more important than the fact that GI Joe exists because that is uh, a common risk now. Is that the moment that this um, Rubicon is breached on a production level, especially when you have goofball producer gangs like the Lorenzo Gang, they immediately start thinking far too big picture and far too uh, the YouTube thumbnails are more important than the media we make. And uh, that's the only concern I have is that there's going to be like some kind of colossal push now of like, oh, we're going to do all this stuff. And I think that they also have established the out that they could also just say, no, what if Doug Stamper from from House of Cards, though, is just he's G.I. Joe. This is his little organization. And they're they're like the funny folks who interact with the Transformers now and then. And we just leave it at that. Make them Transformers sub characters. We're all good. Uh, That's that's my hope. (laughs) Um, I, I, I did think it was funny that I heard that some test screenings that were specifically like Transformers fan media test screenings reacted to the reveal with audible groans. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) These are supposed to be our fans. Oh no. Cause like, no, that's the problem. When people are that deep in, they don't think highly of the word GI Joe anymore. Classified has done a lot Mm -hmm. of work to rebuild that, that thing you own. (laughs) There are a lot of people who still think about those two movies or the many times that the toy line didn't know how to carry itself. Uh, it's it's not... The hardcores are the last people who are going to d- throw a pop for G.I. Joe, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've been, we've been here um, before. We've been burned. We don't want to go here again. It classified's going great. I'm happy to hear it's going great. Uh, <laughs> good for y'all. Uh, I like James Destro. I think he's funny. Um... <laughs> Here's what I liked uh, about the ending in general for this movie, is that, like, we get to the we get to the finale of the of the battle. Optimus starts giving his like end of movie speech, and I'm like, all right, time to start cleaning up my popcorn and get all this organized. (laughs) And then the ending kept going. Uh, Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. This wait, this movie might have an ending. And there might actually be a denouement here. No, Noah, like basically stepped on Optimus and went like, and I'm Noah and I'm going to tell you why I'm And I was like, you know what? I buy this though. I, I like that. Noah got to, got to have his own Optimus prime speech. And then we got to see, yeah, like, like that whole ending sequence gave us the 60 minute scene. So, you know, uh, Elena got to have her small bit of closure. We got to have a little bit of closure on Noah because otherwise if it ended like a lot of the other movies, uh, with the producer gang in full power, it would have been Optimus Prime talks, roll credits. And it's like, okay, so what what happened to Noah's brother? <laughs> Did Noah get back from Peru? Is his brother alive when he got back from Peru? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, and it, that also felt like 
you know, again, more entities at work who are not working literally against, but they are in a creative sense acting in non-full, non-full collaboration with a Lorenzo gang type. Um, but yeah, yeah. And, and that, and that's sort of the kind of, kind of the, to, to throw it out there. That is sort of the story of the whole movie for me, like on a wide level is I felt like I was just watching both the return of the Lorenzo gang and active creators on a directorial level who still wanted actively, perhaps aggressively to have a voice in this production as well. And it made for something that was very interesting. Uh, but it does keep me on edge a little bit about future films. I don't feel like, and they are going to be great from here on out. Cause it's like, all it takes is one more director change. If they get a push over director, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be a thing. But, um, yeah. Oh, I forgot where we were now. Was that one of mine that I threw out there? Or was that one of Aaron's or TJ's? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I lost track. Let's just throw. I think I mentioned. I think I mentioned. I think I mentioned Unicron. Yes. Okay. Then we Unicron, uh, and then I think I interjected about that ending, and that's <laughs> where we got here. All right. Well, then, um, since we're hitting, since we've hit the two, the two and a half hour mark, uh, let's. Uh, I guess just go around one more time. Just any closing thoughts y'all have? Um, I guess uh, Aaron, we'll start with you. Like any, anything else on your mind you want to throw out there about the film? Uh, not really. I I think we hit most of the things that I wanted to talk about and had Alfie's notes of why the hell wasn't this yes. jazz? Um, <laughs> just, it's just cause it's not, I'm sorry. Um, it is your fault. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes. I, <know. laughs> I do have a quick question for you. Do you think you're going to jump to watch the film again once it's available for home viewing? Or are you going to jump to see it in the theater again? Oh, or for did sure. You, or? Oh, okay. I, I mean, we've been talking about going to see it in the theater again, potentially. Okay. Um, but yeah, when it's definitely for like home release, we'll get it and watch it again when we can maybe take some time and like pause it once or twice to like look for for background things because if you look at you know again I've I've had IMDb up as just a like some pointer things the like trivia of like apparently the writers of the paper that she references are Takara and Tomi yeah <laughs> like hidden in small text in there and things like that that you know there's no way you're going to see on in in non slow format so yeah and, and who knows, like, maybe there's uh, there's going to be, like, interesting little bits in some of the wider ranging action sequences. Maybe some characters were doing cool stuff mm-hmm. in the backgrounds a little bit. Um, TG, how about you? Anything else on your mind about the film, first off? Uh, for me, going into the film, my big worry was that we're returning to big budget, big cast. And once again, I was worried about this. I was kind of worried about a Dark Knight situation because I heard you're throwing in... Unicron, you're throwing in Terracons. Like it, it felt like, okay, we're just going to get a whole bunch of stuff piled up again and hope for the best. Um, I was pleasantly surprised that like a lot of the lessons from Bumblebee were still in the movie, particularly that they had the characters had screen time, the villains had enough screen time for me to know them. Like I could follow the sequences. Everyone was brightly colored this time. Uh, I was just, I, I think maybe part of the reason why I have to see, I have to watch it again just to confirm this, but I think part of the reason why I put it like number two on my, on my 
hierarchy here is because I went in fearing that this would be a return to the Bay norms, and that's not what I got. I felt like I got a refined version of the Bay formula. I could do without some of the more formulaic MacGuffin stuff that we've had for just about every movie. Mm-hmm. But for yeah, but for what I was expecting, it was actually kind of refreshing to watch. And it, and I, it I, sounds I, like, mm-hmm. or good, good. Oh no, I was, I was just going to wrap it up. It's like yeah, like like I was thoroughly like surprised at how much I liked the movie. And it sounds like, you know, to to go into my little question again, it sounds like you're absolutely ready to watch it again. Um, if Did you catch it multiple times already, or are you just waiting for the home release? Uh, just the once. Um, just, I had to get, I had to, like, I had to pull a couple strings just to get that time away to go watch it. It's been chaos here. But, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll probably get to it when it comes out on home again. Okay. Yeah, I um I actually had the same fears. I think for me the fears actually still carried through a little bit as I've hopefully been able to make clear over this recording, but I I do think I think a refined version of the Bay formula is a great way to put it. I think that I just I don't like that the Bay formula returned at all. I think that we were very fortunate though that it is refined that we had a strong what I feel was, I should say, a strong director who was able to have a vision exist in spite of the invasion almost of the return of the Bay formula, um, the MacGuffin hunt, the sudden travel to Peru, the, um, the, the army of little guys, uh, Optimus prime, even though it's justifiable in this film to a degree, still just thrown out there. I'm going to personally cut off Scourge's head kind of stuff. Um, I'm paraphrasing slightly, but (laughs) it stuck out to me. To be fair, uh, in this movie, like he watched Bumblebee die. I think he had justification this time. Yeah. The, that's the thing is, I, I explained it to someone um, that like I think the existence of the Bay movies damages my ability to enjoy live action Optimus getting murderous anymore because I'm I'm so used to it being borderline comical that like now it just always has that flavor to me. <laughs> uh. Like, it didn't help that, like, the way he kills Scourge felt, like, that felt literally just like, that is him versus the Fallen, that's him versus Lockdown, that's, I'ma rip this dude to pieces kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, so I, I think that, it, like, you know, I think it turned out better than I expected, I just, I'm very wary of what still existed in there, um, and I, I feel like this movie, to me at least, really proved my own theory as to what influence and what themes the Lorenzo gang bring with them when they are paying attention and wanting to really get involved. Uh, like you said, you, you just see how the scope of this movie suddenly bloated, the cast bloated, the like these tropes returned, and uh, I'm curious what will happen uh, as this all continues. I'm very curious what Transformers 1 will be, given Lorenzo's already getting out there to, to take ownership of the entire project in the press junket. <laughs> um, but uh, See, I I want to know what blackmail Lorenzo has on people that he's just not ended up like with a bag over his head and dragged into a back alley to just, to just shut up. My, my man got there first. But, I think. I think my man got there first, <laughs> and so he 
he he wrote his name down on the original receipt and they can't get rid of him you know well, no, I, I'm sure on a producer level he's also buddy buddy with a lot of the like a lot I call him the gang because there's a lot of recurring names he's the only one who talks to the press though uh I'm sure that there's yeah. a whole lot of other like there's there's a lot of you know handshaking and elbow bumping cigar chomping whatever going on in there um just trying to think, any other little things I need to throw in there? If you watch the credits, John DiMaggio uh, is still credited as the voice of Transit along with Stratosphere. I thought that was... I, I popped when I saw that in the theater. No one else did. <laughs> it's just me. Um, there's, a, there's a great video on YouTube from Kean Carlisle about Transit being cut from the film. Highly recommend. It is age-restricted, but highly recommend. Uh, yeah, um... I'm looking for. I, I only saw it in theaters once. I actually kind of didn't feel like seeing it again. I'll see it again once when it's on home. But it did not quite breach the the level Bumblebee did. Where Bumblebee, I was actually hype, excited, and eager to see it again within a week of seeing it the first time. Uh, this one was a little a little too exhausting for me, and it didn't help that also half the film is on YouTube already. <laughs> kind of took the wind out of my sails for that. Uh, but. Obviously, we didn't hit everything, literally everything about the film. We, we did our usual hot potato thing. Satisfying for us. Doesn't mean we missed a few things. Uh, I can assure you, if you're thinking it, we didn't forget. Or we didn't We didn't not notice. It just didn't come up. That's that's how it works here. But hopefully that was enjoyable to y'all. Um, obviously, like hit the comments. Um, I'll, I'll throw in the thing I said from my YouTube video I put up about this this movie. Like, it's cool if you disagree. But like, if you're going to come into the comments to be like... A com a, like a, c a cartoon character about this in a, in a negative way, like do it, but everyone's going to see you do it. Why would you do that to yourself? You know, like you you deserve better than that. Uh, either way, Aaron will moderate you. I think he's still a moderator in there. He can just he can tweak it. But uh, <laughs> we'll talk to you later on. Um, thank you uh, to our editor for uh, for jumping on this one and uh, and putting together this lengthy podcast for you to listen to. And thank you all for listening. Thank you, Aaron and TJ, for joining me. That's been WTF and TFW uh, talking about Rise of the Beasts. Um, hopefully uh, they will actually make Transformers 1 so we can talk about it as well. It's really weird that that movie's happening and apparently... When's it coming out? Next year? It's not coming out this year, right? That's impossible. I think it's next I think, year. Uh, I think next year. Still seems a little bit close. That seems like that's a bit much. But hey, we'll see you. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that one. We'll talk, we'll also talk between now and Transformers One about the Transformers. But uh, until then, we will talk to you later. Take it easy. Bye.